Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. MGO Podcast 15.0C. We survey the non-conference schedule for some reason and the entire Big Ten for some reason, including the West. We predict good things and we guarantee that you will find out who participates in the Outback Bowl by the end of this podcast. Welcome to part three of our marathon season preview. Well, not marathon for everyone else, just marathon for us. Sure. Dave? Maybe some people are listening to them back to back to back. Yeah. yeah. No way. They're doing a Lord of the Rings there, movie. <laughs> they, they, they waited for all three to be ready. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. They're going to sit there and be like, oh, man, I've been waiting for this for months. I think I'll wait another and, week. And guess what? We caught a good like half hour out of this podcast, so like there's going to be a special edition. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just made a really bad joke that we decided to cut. <laughs> there were several of those. Several? <laughs> they're, they're, most, most special they're, edition, <laughs> editions are mostly just like orgy jokes. They were like, no, no, take that out. Brian, all right, <laughs> Seth, I didn't do it. Seth, write that it. down. Brian did it again. I didn't do it. Brian did it again. Jason Sklar did it. <laughs> I didn't do it. We'll put this on the DVD. All right. <laughs> anyway, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Unround Pretty for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three-store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. Our associate sponsors are Peak Wealth Management, Homeshore Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, where we currently are, and the Nosebleeds, which is the Scar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass. All right, so we're going to look... At the schedule. This first. is my favorite one of the three. So we're just gonna like talk about the non-conference schedule. It's bad. All right, now we're done. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> what I do? Dave and I really came in here. We're like cramming on ECU and like making sure we know who the receivers are. And and I'm like, why? Why? Brian just gonna some... skip past these Brian's guys. Just and gonna like... punt the whole. Yeah. First All right. If you guys have takes, I will hear. I don't have give that me many. Your East no. Carolina takes. I am excited for the East Carolina game. Okay. Do you know why I said this? I think last year or the year before when we it's did on these Peacock. things. <laughs> no, I will be at the game, Alex. Because you like pirates. We've never seen them before. Oh. Or I haven't. Oh, you've you never. No. You've so never seen the pirates. So, so you're playing a game against a team that you haven't seen before. There's always an element of that that's enjoyable. I don't. I don't want to see Western Michigan every year. I, if you're going to give me a cupcake game, uh, that's fine. Give me a team I haven't seen yet. I'd rather play Western Michigan. Well, I, I you're like boring. The, I like the local. You're teams. boring. Your face is you boring. Have, you have the worst <laughs> hot takes. Exactly. <laughs> boring. Exactly. I just tell the truth. I have to break this. All up. right. Yeah. <laughs> Let me <Alex>. tell you. <laughs> Uh, I mean, ECU is a team that last year was their all-in season, and it was a little bit disappointing for them. And now, 
everybody is gone. Okay. And so you're coming in as like a team. Like I got a question in a mailbag that was like, should we be terrified of ECU? Was it? Was <laughs> it? Wait, 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 wait. Was it from Craig? <laughs> they were an eight-win team the previous year. They're you know blah blah blah. And I was like, well, they would, but everyone left. They got raided by the portal and they had a lot of attrition. The one thing I like about them is they have like a legit four-star quarterback who wasn't fished out of the portal. He's been in the program for several years waiting his turn. Really? Yeah. And the guy's a tank. He's, wow. He's going to be we fun to watch. we got to out there. It'll be like Godzilla versus <laughs> it's, Mothra. It, he's 6'5", 242. Did he go up? He went up, yeah. Okay. He's, he's, in, he's in the 250 now. He's Lorenzen Light. Yeah. He's going to be fun. Mason Garcia is the name. Yep. Ma- oh, that's a name, too. He, that's a quarterback name. Yeah. So I expect he'll be decent. And, I mean, they're a well-coached team. They have continuity there and all that stuff. But there's just so much talent leaving the roster they, that... Yeah, what got what sucks for them is they got picked off after spring too. So they had like a really good guard coming back, and, and like I think North Carolina or someone came by and they're like, they "Nope, got, they got the Peyton Thorn." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like their defensive line. Uh, I could be one of the better defensive lines in the group of five. Look but... at you taking this seriously. <laughs> you pay us I, money to do this. Yeah, I pay you money to do things. I don't pay you money to have opinions about East Carolina. <laughs> wait, wait, look, he's got. Uh, he doesn't got, have much. Well, Look what he has next to Indiana. Look at that. <laughs> well, they're, they're a conference opponent. This That's... is the enemy ranked, all the, yeah, yeah. See all the depth charts. I but... mean, you're spiritually just Craig, except, <laughs> well, you know what Craig is. You know this Craig... is a very visual podcast. You know what Craig got, got him for Christmas last year? Uh... A stack of legal pads. <laughs> and he was excited. You really are the only man of your generation I've ever seen use a pen. <laughs> Yeah, you're not Gen Z. Like you're, you're like a secret boomer. <laughs> no, he's not a boomer. He's almost like the uh, greatest generation. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. You're, you're Tom Brokaw. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, would you, would you want to talk? Is about this ECU going on the DVD? Or no, is ECU's the- fine. I mean, the the best comp for ECU is the Middle Tennessee from a few years ago. Oh God, where they're like a comp. They're a solid Group of Five program with but a good they, coach, but they lose all game. their talent, that and team, so their team had no quarterback. No. I mean, so, so that's reversed got, in that way, but that year they weren't a very good. They team got the ball it. out so fast. Yeah, yeah. But that's like the caliber of. I don't we're even know about. who the second opponent is. UNLV. 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 Oh, that's right. There's a Sklar Brothers There's, show that <laughs> night. Yeah. Yes. And the tailgate here. Oh. Here amazing. at venue. Yeah. They have a new coach. Skip Holtz. No. Wait, did they can uh, the guy from the the Oregon OC from a few years? Yes, ago? they did. They have a new coach. They went five and seven last year. They have a returning quarterback who's pretty good, Doug Brumfield. Speaking of they, tall guys, six six two twenty five. Yeah, and they were. Yeah. his splits were wild. Like they were, they won or lost narrowly every game he started, and every game he was injured for, they lost by like fifty points per game. Wow. So, his name's Doug. Yep. How many guys named Doug are there? Grumfield, too. That's, I uh, mean, they're well, not Michigan's point guard. No, he's not named Doug. He's nicknamed Doug. And it doesn't have an O in it. It's different. <laughs> so he's just a past he, tense verb. He's Doug. D-O-U-G. That's, that's unusual these days. Be like, uh, who is the kicker? James Doug Fog. 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 Doug Fog. There you go. There it is. Yeah. All right. No idea what that's about. (laughs) Alex is like, what are you old people doing? What are you guys humming over there? (laughs) I, uh... (laughs) 
90s TV shows on Nickelodeon. <laughs> they, I don't know if we're taking this with the requisite seriousness. No, this Alex is the se- no, this is just the segment where we this try to avoid going, talking about these as much this is, as possible. You, you are listening to the special edition right now. This was we, cut from the actual podcast. Yeah, we got <laughs> Alex is like, who wants to hear about the UNLV too deep? We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a, a, a computer animated job of the hut do the next game. <laughs> the thing about UNLV, they're pretty iffy elsewhere on the roster besides quarterback for group of five team, but no 12s on my A the Enemy ranked. So they were hey, never the worst non-conference team at any position. Hey, they have, two, they have two guys that you need to worry about. One oh, yeah. is the strong safety Jonathan Baldwin, who's a player. I don't know how he didn't get picked off by the portal. Number two, Ricky White is back. <laughs> Wait, the, that Ricky White? Yes! <laughs> yes. He God, is, I feel like I feel like when I heard Dave Brandon rescheduled Appalachian State. <laughs> <laughs> he, no, this guy is like following. A, he keeps on transferring to different schools that he knows around Michigan's schedule, so he can come back here. Because the only thing that ever happened for him in his life was the 2020 Michigan Michigan State game. Wow, we got a we got a whose honor was besmirched in that game? I forget. Vincent Gray. Vincent Gray. We got to oh. we got to win this for Vincey. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Vinny. V- yeah, that's better. <laughs> this is this this guy. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get him in one score. Win they're gonna figure out one touchdown for him. Win one for the winner. And he's gonna and he's gonna do the the pose. He's gonna do the the Paul Bunyan pose. Ricky White is honestly. And... If he does do that, like <laughs> you gotta be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> so we should give whoever's photograph photographing that game a heads up to be like, you gotta yeah. get that. So you like, realize that you did that in front of a Michigan fan this time. Both halves of the yeah. Rocky Lombardi to Ricky White connection have reappeared on the non-conference schedule yeah. in yeah. subsequent years for other schools. That's true. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are just three. Brian's like, I'm learning so much. <laughs> These guys are reliving the best part of their life right now. Which I is mean, do you think playing in front been... of cardboard cutouts at Michigan Stadium? You guys apparently had a wager about whether we would talk about these teams at all. Don't you think it would be better if we hadn't <laughs> at this point? Okay, final team. So we got to uh, talk about this team. Yeah. Bowling this is, Green. This, this is, is Craig's team. This is Craig's team. Okay. They well, you know the coach. Who's the coach, Brian? Scott Left. Yeah, yeah, look at him. Look at him in the game. And like everybody who used to coach Michigan thirty years ago is also on that stage. <laughs> There's a couple. They found them all. They like dug up. It's they crazy. Soup Campbell and Terry Malone. Who's Mike DeBoard? Who's Who's going to be the starting quarterback, Brian, for the Bowling Green yeah. Falcons? Yeah. Uh, he, he was a you know, starter against Michigan last year. Yeah, Rocky Lombardi. No, not oh no, it was Connor Bazelak. Connor Bazelak returns. Oh, at, <laughs> <laughs> at least they'll have a better offensive line. So but I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> True. I, did you rank the? Did you rank Bully Green or Indiana's offensive line higher? I forgot. Uh, uh, Indiana should be a little. Oh, oh. they have a they're rough in the trenches, but. I think this will be a better fit for him. I mean, because Scott's a quarterbacks guy, and like Indiana was just such a bad fit. You look at Basilek at Missouri; he wasn't that bad there. Like it just Walt Bell was not a good fit for him. So I think he can be a solid quarterback for Bowling Green in the MAC, right? Like, they also have a nice receiver, I think, in Hillary. Yes, yeah. he's one of the uh, best MAC receivers. And um, like Craig was also talking up their tight end. He says their tight end is going to be really, really good. And to the point where he probably won't be on bo- at Bowling Green 
for his career. They're just rough in the trenches, and if you believe that's where football is played, then they're in for a tough. They, well. they did manage to get Darren Anders, who's like their middle linebacker who yeah, tackles he's, everything. He's really good. They he was his name was in the portal. He got a lot of interest. I think Michigan State really wanted him, and then he was like, "Nope, staying at Bowling Green." I'm going to Bowling Green. <laughs> so <laughs> here's they got a curling rink. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the upside about this non-conference schedule. Most of these teams have a plausible path to bowl eligibility, whereas last year, two of them absolutely did not. UConn was a – yeah. They were the third that did. But at the time last year, remember, we were like, these are three of the like five worst teams in college football. Yeah. 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 These are better than that, but not by much. End of Bowling segment. Green which, has gotten better is, every year. He said end of segment. <laughs> which is perfect. End of segment. It's over. <laughs> Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Hey, so I have, like, insurance and stuff, but I don't really, like, know what's going on with it. Yeah, it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein, he's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance, and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also, like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. 
Yes. Wonders never cease. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Hey, Coach, you know how to play tennis? I don't know how to play, but we can go back to back. Alright, this time, shitty boys, dog shit, Lucian. Why they let the trailer man? Let me fly to Cali Tron, where you at? Shit, I'm pulling up to the court right now. I'm on that scam. They say I'm the goat, new drip. Where's the lamb sauce? Flyer than a birdie, desert eagle in my track bar. I ain't Irish, but my money, Dublin, grab a shamrock. I ain't tricking with you bitches, pockets came with padlocks. Thought that I was fantasizing, showed them that I can pop. Grew my hair down to my shoulders, fan thought I was mad. I jump the fence and get my lip back like this the sand lock. Tell them boys to quit the line, living life on caps lock. Florida to the mint, SBDSMX, BLP. You a burger with some ham, minus cheese, you a BLT. Tables, ladders, shares. Hey guys, uh, UNLV weekend. September 9th. September 9th, there was a tailgate at venue. You can pair that deal with another deal, which is seeing the Sklars that night after yeah. the game. And we're going to be having a tailgate. So if you do the deal, you can also hang with the Sklars. And then afterwards, you can go and see their amazing comedy at the uh, Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. If you don't do it, you will regret it forever. All right, moving on to actual Big Ten teams. We're going to tackle the Big Ten East. Because it's the most important one. Are we starting from the bottom or the top? The bottom. So you are Drake. What? Drake? Drake? Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yes, that's Drake. I I was never on Canadian children's television. So are we going through the schedule? No, we are going through the division. We can actually continue with the schedule because Michigan's team they play after Bowling Green is Rutgers. I don't think they're going to be worse than these. Really? I think Indiana's going to be worse. Right? I agree. Ooh. Oh, okay. But you, you and Brian Mack are uh, our big Rutgers believers this year. You and I—that doesn't mean you're a big Rutgers. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> you came over. You started a conversation with me way too late one night about. I think I have gotten a roadmap to bowl eligibility for Rutgers. There's a path. You, it's not you a great and Brian one. Brian Mack need to like have an intervention. <laughs> like you're just you two of you are going to be in a room and we're just going to walk in and we're going to be like we need to talk to you about the cable subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with Indiana first. All then. right, Indiana. So they're real rough. Um, they have a quarterback battle between two people no one's ever heard of. Where are they from? Are they transfers? Tavian Jackson, a transfer from Tennessee, best known as Trace Jackson Davis's brother. Oh. Michigan recruited him for a moment, too. At quarterback or at a different position? At quarterback. Okay. We were a little desperate for quarterbacks at the moment. <laughs> we don't like Against to talk about it. Brendan Soresby, who okay. was on the bench buried beneath the seven quarterbacks they played. Oh, he was at Indiana last Yeah. Year. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little grim uh-huh. between those two guys. And their running backs are mostly the same. They're going to be receiving backs just like last year. They kept Walt Bell around, so we're still going to be doing screens all the time. They're still going to run 120 plays per game. Well, 110. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the OL should be better. 
Why? But it can't be worse. Well, here's the biggest hey, reason. Hey, they have Zach Carpenter. They, they, can, they can all literally walk off the field and be like, that's it, Bell or us. That's it. We're, we're done. They don't have a West Texas A&M transfer starting anymore, okay. so <laughs> that's, that's a big part of the argument. Do you, do you know why they're going to be better on offensive line? Because they actually got a real offensive line coach. They got Wisconsin's They did get Wisconsin's dude. offensive really? line coach. Yeah. Bob Bostad? Yeah. Yes. What? <laughs> I know. I'm like, how is this guy? He's like, like, I think I'll go to Indiana. How, like, how come he didn't go to Purdue or something? I, I, he must or be any place better than both of those he, schools. He, he must be in witness protection. <laughs> he, and he's like, where is the place where the offensive line coach is the most anonymous? I think he was pretty sure that he was going to be retained. And like when like Wisconsin was like, nope, sorry, Bostad, your your time here is done. He was like. It was late in the year, and he was like, wait, I have not reached out to anybody. It, it never struck my mind that the guy who made Wisconsin offensive linemen and Wisconsin linebackers a thing would so, be let go. The other thing here is that uh, Matthew Bedford, who isn't very good, but he was the reason the West Texas A&M guy had to play because he tore his ACL last year. So he's back. So in function, they have four returning starters on OL, and they get an upgrade OL coach. So they should be better in that regard. Okay, you've sold me. But – that's the argument for that. But if the quarterback is a pumpkin and they're still running Walt Bell offense, you're not going to have any action on that offense at all. They have Cam Camper. Yeah, he's fine. So defensively, they've they've had like an unusual number of dudes over the past five years, like Taiwan Mullen. I wouldn't Luke bank Fadden. on it this year. No, no, they got they, one dude, the uh, defensive end, uh, Andre, Andre Carter. Carter from Western Michigan. He's pretty good. Yeah, he transferred to Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Send it, but down. I don't know. I don't know why Michigan wasn't part well, of this. They wanted Stewart, and I think that's probably the. But ball. yeah, I mean, otherwise, their defense is just unrecognizable from two, three years ago. Everyone is gone, and they have no internal depth to replace them. So they have they are transfer you this off season. Uh, I mean, they could have seven, eight transfers starting wow. on defense. So this might be it for uh, whatever Tom Allen. Tom Allen. Yeah. All right. His last chance to be mad is. I mean, they, they. I think they're going to be real, real. This bad. is ninth year at Indiana. His eighth year as head coach. Yeah, they're going to be. Yeah, he succeeded. Who? Wilson. Kevin Wilson. Right. Well, no. Technically, they had a interim head coach for well, a little bit, yeah. but yeah. okay. All right. Second worst, and why is it Rutgers? Rutgers. Um, I like their defense. Well, they were okay last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, is uh, are their defensive ends going to be even like passable against the run? They were so bad. Last we'll year. see. Um, you know, Aaron Lewis is a guy I'm interested in what he could have been at Michigan. Yeah, right? he, like, yeah, he, he torched uh, Barnhart for a sack in the, in the game, and he's a big guy. Like he could have, you know, if he was at Michigan, I think he'd be a much better run defender. And he's like a Mike Morris. He style. wouldn't be on the field. <laughs> I mean. Barnhart gave it to him, and that's not something that happened. I mean, my concern with Rutgers' defense is they've still got those not very good defensive tackles who weigh like 275 and just get ejected against good offensive lines. But their linebackers, going into last year, they lost four linebacker contributors, and we were all like, uh-oh. And Shiano just got two really solid starters out of a completely empty depth chart, and now both guys return. So... And Max Melton, infamous for the paint gun, paintball gun incident, uh, he's back again as corner. He's a pretty good corner. Well, so, okay. Also, Bo it, Melton's younger brother. Yeah. Well, like, let's uh, describe this incident to people <laughs> who aren't quite as online as we are. 
he he missed the Michigan game, remember? Yeah. For being suspended for a paintball gun incident? Yeah. We don't know what the incident was. Oh, he was just oh, suspended. It's still mysterious? I think so. Okay. Did you ever hear what it was? No, I didn't. I, you know what? The Rutgers beat is not like some beats that are just going to find every single cheeseburger ever sold. Like, There's no are you go blog? Yeah. <laughs> there should be. No. <laughs> Brian, Brian, can you imagine that existence? <laughs> oh, let me UFR this recent Rutgers game. <laughs> Negative 412. <laughs> I would love to see someone on the other side do the 78 nothing game. I, 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 I <laughs> I think I, I, well, the offense, the offense wouldn't take very long. That's right. I think I brought up hypothetical Rutgers UFR guy in the UFR this year because I was yeah. like, you know, Rutgers UFR guy's handing a plus three to his guy here. Yeah. And then I was like, that is a grim thought. <laughs> That's a rough. They lose both of their safeties, but they have a contributor there. And they got a guy who played 400 snaps for Minnesota to come over to them, which okay. was interesting. Unusual, yeah. But, I mean, I think they could have a pretty darn good defense, but... The offense. What's the quarterback situation again? Is Johnny Langan still getting three snaps a game? He's the tight end. He's the tight I know end, he's remember? the tight yeah. end, but they used him as a wildcat quarterback. They use him as everything. He's a tight end slash running back slash fullback slash wide receiver slash all the things. Only guy we can get the ball to. Yeah. But the quarterback's still probably going to be Wimsat. Next. So that's yeah. the that's the downside. Um, I, one note about the, the the Minnesota guy. His name is Flip. Flip. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well, you should or no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So but Wimsett was like a four star, right? Yes, he was. Wimsett was like a wasn't he IMG or something? He was playing, for, but he was. Well, he remember he first he reclassified up. Then he graduated high school in mid-October and right. joined Rutgers in 2021 in the middle of the season. Yeah, so he, now he's he now he played, might be 19 years old. And then he played in the bowl game for them when they were in a bowl game. And then last year he, he gets to become the starter. So he's still really young and, okay. and didn't have a proper trajectory. But All right, I might, I might be backing off my Wimsat is completely horrible take then. Cause it's still just hard to see him getting enough better to be good, but... Yeah, but we're talking about Rutgers here. Also, do they have anything around him? So they had one running back that seemed interesting last year, Samuel Brown the fifth, and he <laughs> played three games and then was out for the year. But his yards per carry clip was like a full two, two and a half better than anybody else, and he had great PFF grades, so I'm intrigued to see more of him. The problem is they don't have any wide receivers, and they still can't block anybody. So Two small problems. You know, this is an offense that just probably isn't going to do enough but their defense will keep them in some competitive games. And uh, if they can beat Virginia Tech in the non-conference, who's also <laughs> they're also really bad. That's true, but... So they have Howard and they have... Um, oh, they have Wagner. Wa Wagner. And who's so their other non-con? They have Temple. They have Temple, VT, and Wagner. It's never good when, like, two... Of, wait, so it wasn't Howard. No, it wasn't Howard. No. Okay. So they have three winnable games in the non-conference. They get Northwestern. They get Indiana. Can you beat MSU? That's your path to bowl eligibility. I, a, I think it's, it's a stretch, but it's plausible. It's in Piscataway. Is it's it in Piscataway. With the, I with the train noise. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I assume Michigan State is next on your list here. In the East, yeah. 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 So it's it's possible. I, I mean, think Phil Steele said five of his nine power ratings had Rutgers at six wins. So well, let's talk about Michigan State. They lose Keon Coleman and Peyton Thorne after spring. Which is devastating, but an offense that really couldn't. Well, and the other thing about the Coleman departure is the fact that their guy they had in the wings at wide receiver to replace Reed bailed. 
Remember him? Jeremy Bernard. Oh, right. He, he went to Washington. He was a four-star, oh. legit four-star. They were like, this is our guy after Reed leaves for the NFL. And then he leaves too. So now you're at a point where outside of, um, what's his name? Trey Mosley. Trey Mosley. He's in the slot, right? You're two outside guys. I, I just listed off 10 players on the enemy ranked MSU. And I was like, <laughs> figure out who's going to be the starter there. I mean, some of these guys, you know, I could have made up names and people wouldn't have known if they were real or fake. Like, <laughs> you, they've never played college football. So, Montori Foster, Cade McDonald, Tyrell Henry, Jaron Glover, Christian, Phil <laughs> Christian Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gates Jr. Oh. That one sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and Nebraska transfer Alante Brown. They had a guy that was sort of a Michigan target at a time in Malik Carr. Well, he's a tight he's end. A tight he's end. a tight end. And he was Michigan target because he went to West Bloomfield and people were like, oh. Uh, and he's like, he's like, super uh, chunky. Caleb no, he went Swanigan. to Oak Park. Yes. Oak Park, Oak Park, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember after the Michigan State game, I had some sort of extended run about the, like, thick boys. Chonky. chonky yeah. Boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we remember. <laughs> you were deeply unhappy about that portion of the podcast. <laughs> so... It's the yeah, the the QB and wide receiver situation is just really questionable because you you don't have the kind of targets you want to give a young quarterback, which is probably going to be Noah Kim. But well, I remember after the Michigan State spring game, all the Michigan State reporters were like, Peyton Thorne is far and away the best quarterback on this roster. Most of them were, but there was that not the twenty four seven guy <laughs> <laughs> had to be mentioned. But yes, I watched that spring game tape. You Thorne did. was definitely the best quarterback there. So yeah. start for Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Kenton Hauser was supposed to be a good uh, – he was a good recruit. Michigan tried to, like, actually get in on it that late, and we're, Michigan State already pretty much had it wrapped up. Yeah, their options are Hauser, who's a redshirt freshman, or Noah Kim, who's two years older than him, I think. But Noah Kim was, like, outside the top 1,000 yeah. type guy. So either way, you're starting a quarterback – before you wanted to have to start them, and there's not, and you're not giving them a lot of open receivers to make their life easier. And the line is still the line is Alex not and PFF great. Believe but no, <laughs> Craig, I mean Craig is it. Remember we talked about this. Craig is on record saying that MSU Michigan will go State eight and four. Go eight and four. I, I, we don't really <laughs> need to like address that. <laughs> we can just let that one slide. Um, I mean, so here's the argument for their offensive line. They bring back. Three starters and two more guys who each played over 200 snaps. So, like, it can't be worse. For Michigan State. But they've been doing sure. this for years, and, like, they just – I mean, what was their ground game like? How many yards before contact did they have last year? Four? Not good enough. Here's my thing with Michigan State's off offensive line. These guys have been there for a long time, and they seem to get worse every year. They picked up an elite Juco in Keyshawn Blackstock. They were 104th in uh, football outsiders average line yards. He get that up to 90th. What? <laughs> That's not doing anything. No, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's not Indiana from last year. No, I, it's not, but can, can we get back to like the... We're the, talking about what do they need to do to get to beat Rutgers. There's a difference between... No, 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 no. But there's a difference between like what people are saying about Michigan State's offensive line and the reality of Michigan State's offensive line. I think it needs to be addressed. Like People talk about Nick Samak because he's been starting no, for... No, Nick Samak is, is sucks. He's awful. Yeah. He has like a Jeez. 71 on PFF and... Hey. 
they say cheeks. <laughs> the kids do. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Jay Duplain is another guy that like gets talked Duplain up. Duplain is decent. To, I don't think so. He's he gets pushed around. When we talk about MSU's offensive line, we're talking about what does it need to do to get them to the fringes of bowl eligibility. Not okay. what it's going to challenge Michigan. It's not going to do that. All right. But we're in a conference where three of the offensive lines on Michigan's schedule in the Big Ten are unspeakable. So that already moves MSU up, you know, to... Not unspeakable. Yeah. So you're already starting. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So defensively, they brought in a couple interesting transfers. They look like they've got a couple of guys on the defensive line, but their linebackers still can't run at all. And they're coming off the second consecutive year where they're one of the worst pass defenses in America. Dylan Tatum? And I have no hope for their secondary, really. That's what I like to hear, Alex. (laughs) No, no, you're not a believer in Tatum? I think he could be decent, but... The problem the is they have so many of the same players back. I mean, Brantley, he's back. Kimbrough, he's back. Mangum, who wasn't even a starter last year, is back. Angelo Gross is back. It's the same guys. Mang- Mangum from Wiley Groves High School, man. It shows some respect. That's We haven't they had got, a Division One prospect they in got, a long time. They got his brother, too. <laughs> yeah. He's a running back for them his now. His brother went to Cast Tech, though. Great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, their secondary is going to be real bad, you have to expect. Um their linebackers, I don't. Is it still Halliday, and are they going to play Winman at linebacker? They're still trying Winman at weak side linebacker, which he is an edge. Like he is at his best pinning his ears back and getting the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just do not ask him to do inside linebackers. They stuff. have edges though, because they had that one defensive line coach who finally got a job in the NFL. Well, they they got that A and M transfer. Yeah, Tunmisi at delay. And they got like, like a ridiculous recruiting class before the guy left too. So they're going to have... Yeah, I don't think by Job is going to do a ton as a true freshman, but he might. They had a bunch of edges last year who then all got hurt. So, like, we never saw what Chris Bogle was, for example. Now we find out. Um, and that pushed Zion Young into action too early. So, but I think the thing with all those guys is that a lot of them project as run defenders more than pass rushers. Right. So I don't know where pass rush is coming from outside of blitzing and letting Winman you know, wreak havoc from the second level. I mean, I just, those linebackers were so slow. And I was like, Cal Halliday, he's a throwback who doesn't wear gloves. And I'm like, yeah, he's a throwback because he's, yeah, cause he's, <laughs> cause he's like a 260-pound guy with a neck roll. It's like, Thumper. Yeah. <laughs> he's Brian Cox. Yeah, so that, but their, defen- sweat. <laughs> their defensive tackle should be fine because they always are. Yeah, I think they'll be able to stop the run okay, but. I don't know how they're rushing the passer. I don't know how they're covering anybody. Michigan State, the the one thing that worries me about Michigan State is not anything about the roster or the makeup or the, the coaching or any of it. It's just Michigan State has some weird juju where they'll take a team that should be going 4-8 and eight and go 8-4. and four. Well, Mel Tucker is 10-1 and one in games decided by single digits, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Because all of his losses are huge blowouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing to talk about with them is they have a really hard schedule. Yeah. They bring so they have Washington, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. That's four teams like in the top ten range, yeah. top ten fifteen. That's already bad. They draw Iowa and Minnesota out of the West on the road. Both on the road. That's all that's also tough. They and get obviously Maryland. They get Maryland. So they already, you know, you're in that seven games that range from, you know, certain losses to dicey at best. So it's it's an uphill battle for bowl eligibility. And they don't even have a home, a true home game against Penn State. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. They sold it. Ford Field, baby. It's, uh, they're doing they're doing Senior Day at Ford Field. No, I think they're doing it the week before or whatever. But 
Yeah. At Lima, when they're at Indiana. I mean, the good news is is that the student section won't be half empty by the second quarter. Right. Because <laughs> it won't be one. I that think... is smart. They they do. By, so, by the end of the season, they're just like, it's an empty Is shell. it one of those games that if you buy Lions season tickets, you have to purchase a ticket to that game? When we were at Ford Field for a couple of concerts, they had it displayed everywhere. Like, buy tickets for Penn State and Michigan State. Yay! It's the happening That'd event. That'd be awesome to be a season ticket holder and be like, hey, the Penn State game, you don't get. <laughs> Have a nice life. Yeah. Like when Dave Brandon announced that they were moving a Michigan State I remember that, Chicago yes. after season tickets were due. <laughs> right. <clears throat> anyway. I mean, I think at the end of the day with MSU, they may be, they should be healthier. That was a huge problem for them last year. They, they may be a little better in the trenches, marginally so. But at the end of the day, when they played Michigan last year, they had one thing. Yes. And both halves of that thing are gone. So, right. uh-oh. And also Jaden Reed. Yeah, well, he was also banged up too, but... But, like, just sure. in terms of, like, who are the good players on this roster, are there any of them on offense? No. Yeah. I mean, Simeon Barrow deserves a little mention, that defensive tackle. Simeon Barrow's a good player, yeah. 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 No, they're yeah. And they have Maverick Hansen, yeah. and they have Derek Carmen. I mean, they always do. Who are those people? Defensive tackles. <laughs> Great. He right. made up names like he did for their wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Penn State. Drew Aller. What about Maryland? Oh, right, Maryland. Oh, for a second I thought you were like Whoa. some Penn State He's, shade there. No, like, no, so this no. is so Maryland, underrating it. So Maryland is the definition of a seven-on-seven seven program. Yeah. Like this team in particular, <laughs> like, wow, seven-on-seven seven Big Ten football, sign me up for Maryland. But they have no offensive line, and they have no defensive line at all. So, like, I, at first I was a little more concerned about this game being like, all right, it's the week before Ohio State. There have been some times in the past where Michigan has struggled with that. Obviously, Michigan did not struggle with that in 21. But, you know, they returned to Aaliyah, and they gave Michigan some problems last year. This could be kind of one of those games. Michigan doesn't really play many games up until that end stretch. But after what Alex said about having no lines... I mean, are their lines I mean, worse than they were a year ago? Yeah, way, 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 way worse. Last year they had uh, Jalen Duncan or five returning and, yeah. starters, and they got up to 60th or 70th in adjusted line yards. Last year they had which a bunch is like of a revelation for people. Maryland. I mean, here's you want me to read this line for you? We do. Left tackle, four-year player at Frostburg State. Left guard. Say uh, the name of that school again. <laughs> Frostburg State. That's okay. not a real place. It's a D2, D2 program. <laughs> That's not a real place. Left guard, 162 snaps last year, 48.4 PFF grade. <laughs> Center, 115 snaps last year, 72 PFF grade. Okay. Uh, right guard, NC Central transfer. That's an HBCU. Yes. Right tackle is a returning starter who was decent. Okay. So that's a so problem. It's, it's going to be a lot of Tulia going r- way back on his Madden dropbacks. So Which, by the way, he got better at that last year. He did. He took a legit yeah. step forward. Well, he had a, a sort of offensive line. Yeah. Well, my knock on him going into last year was that he, you know, pounded the heck out of Northwestern, but was completely uncompetitive in you know the bigger games. And last year, remember that Ohio State game? Yeah. He was awesome in that game. Yeah, they were in that to the so wasn't. They were in the Michigan game, too, but yeah. he also wasn't great against Wisconsin. I mean, they were in the Michigan game, but they were down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and they scored to make it a one-touchdown game, like, right at the end. But they 
they they gave had, us a touchdown at the beginning of the game. Yeah, that's true. With, they, the, with the face. <laughs> oh god. Uh, yeah. Catch. <laughs> Michigan well, scores literally six seconds into the game. Yeah. They, they had the ball in Ohio State territory down three points with six minutes left yeah. in that game. They were they were much more competitive last year, and I like some of their skill position guys. Roman Hemby had a nice little first season from him as a starter, and. Remember last year they had that crazy wide receiver room that had so many names? Yeah. And then a number of them really disappointed, like Rakeem Jarrett, but the two who didn't are both back. Jay Sean Jones, wide receiver, and Corey Deitch is the tight end. So they get some continuity there. If you could install a good offensive line on this team, that offense could be nasty, but unfortunately you don't. So Guess who's the new OC? <laughs> Matt Canada. Josh Gaddis. Josh Gattis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> With Mike Loxley. I mean, is that like a, a red flag? Because what happened at Miami after he showed up is they returned their quarterback and they dropped like 40 spots in SP+. Uh-huh. Like, could that be a, a negative? Isn't this must-see TV with Loxley and Gaddis reunion? Oh, they're going to they're gonna have a slap fight on the sideline. Gonna, it's going to be down to Rutgers at halftime, and there's going to be some sort of recrimination in the halftime interview. I, I think Gaddis is going to have it in for us, though. He's he's he owes us what is he gonna, for, be, uh, for 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 I, whatever I, where he's mad about. I don't know. Whenever you leave somewhere, I, I, you're mad at them. How I, is know, he? I know what's going to get him inside zone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's try it again. <laughs> Surely this time it will work. The issue for them, too, is then you look at defense. It's the same story. Zero returning starters on their defensive line, and they don't have anybody to promote on the depth chart. Went back to the transfer portal well for these very questionable players. But linebackers, I think, are okay. Certainly, Jay Sean Barham. Jay Sean Barham is, okay, is, is good. That's a recruit that Michigan kind of wanted to go after and missed. Would you rather have two 60-grade linebackers or one like all Big Ten and one 45-grade? Two sixties. Okay, that's your that's your discussion with them. Because Jayshon Barham was really good as a true freshman. Yeah, Ruben Hippolyte is still there. Yeah, the the second one is the problem. But that guy has been gotta, starting since like twenty nineteen or something. You got it. Like you're just like oh, Ru-, like oh, other listeners will junior. know who Ruben Hippolyte is. I mean, we've, I mean, we've it's mentioned Ruben Hippolyte the second. <laughs> oh, yeah, the second. I mean, we've uh, mentioned. We're not, him. we're not talking about his dad. I mean, this guy has been like. Mentioned and like scient in our yeah. faux films like, I, for I, years. Now. I know who Ruben Hippolyte is. I am just saying that you know there are people with jobs who listen to this podcast. They do not know who that is. No, this is the DVD version. This is the people who just care about Michigan. They are not doing their jobs this week. If They're you've made it, reading our preview. If you've made it to the third preview podcast, <laughs> you probably know who Ruben yeah, Hippolyte is. The people with jobs bought the podcast that start with Penn State. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about Penn State. The one one last thing on Maryland. Hello, people with we, jobs. One, <laughs> last thing on Maryland. one last thing on Maryland. They have a really easy schedule. They're yeah. going to be favored in yeah. at least eight games. Okay. So even if their lines are, are a mess, they could still rack up some wins. All right. Well, let's welcome in the employed people and talk about Penn State. <laughs> okay. Penn State. Drew Aller. Drew Aller. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Singleton. Katron Allen. Katron Allen. Olu Fashanu. They got some boys. They have some names. They're like all over the freaks list on defense. So... On offense, we'll start with because they always get these hyped up running backs. And okay, Saquon Barkley is really, really good. Yeah. But other than him, which ones of their like all star mega running backs have ever really hurt Michigan? Mm, Sanders had like a couple of plays, but not really. 
big deal. But every year there's a new there's like Noah Kane and then right. Well, they were they were miserable against Michigan and Ohio State last year. And when they come here, now we obviously it's in Happy Valley, but when they come here, they get decimated. They like get, not just beat. They get I mean 16, 18, 22, yeah. just absolutely eviscerated. Dump truck. And 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 Michigan has gone there and and won it what two times under Harbaugh and could have been a third and then there was if it wasn't for the drop drop. Yeah. You know, I mean this is the James Franklin discussion. Well, what is the rest of the offensive line? Okay, like? let's talk about the offensive line. So, Fashanu at left tackle was one of those interesting cases of NFL projection. And this is kind of the NFL draft discussion is that, like, Fashanu had some moments, but he's played seven NCAA starts in his career. He was a first-time starter, played through the end of October, and then was out for the rest of the year with injury. So this is a player that we didn't even star him on the diagram because he was a new player and was good but wasn't elite yet. And so the NFL is like, oh, we'll take him right now because we love his measurables right. and all that big stuff. Big hands, but, big long arms, yeah. so six foot seven. This year is the chance for him to actually make that jump to star territory. But some people are acting like this guy is a three-year starter with many, you know, all Big Ten honors. Like he's a young guy that is still maturing. But the argument for them is they return four starters on the offensive line. And they also have their sixth man back, too. So there's a lot of continuity. And that should be, it should be the best line of the Franklin era. Not saying a whole lot, right. but it should be. So they, they, so they all know how to dive at our legs the same way they did in 2019 and 2020. Like, I mean, they, I don't think that's going to be the goal, right? Like, that was a desperation move. Football they outsiders. They still did it last year. Football outsiders had them sixth on a uh, 60th on adjusted line yards. With the two running backs they had. Yeah. Which people are really, I mean, I just don't know. Like, as you said, like, they get hyped up every year at the running back position and they actually play. Michigan, Ohio State, and those two guys, they do nothing. I think that those two guys are really good at giving them space and then taking it to the house. I don't think they make anyone miss or break any tackles. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. been Penn State backs since Barkley. Because yeah. Miles Sanders was the same thing. Yeah. But you can get to the NFL doing that. Miles Sanders did. Yeah, and is, is their line going to be good enough against Michigan and Ohio State to actually pave the way for those guys to Probably hit not. Okay. So that's kind of – it could be against Ohio State because I think Ohio State's defensive tackle position is pretty different than Michigan's, but that's a different you know, that's discussion. So, a little bit later. Um, their wide receivers, I think, are going to be a little worse than last year. They lost uh, Parker Washington and the transfer they had, Tinsley, Mitchell Tinsley. They went back into the portal. They got Dante Cephas, an all-Mac receiver from Kent State. Should be decent. And then uh, – McLean, I think his name is Malik McLean from Florida State. He was okay, four star, but you know, reserve player. Right. So it's a little bit of a reload year. Well, they at still wide have receiver Theo Johnson, right? At tight end. Yeah. They need him to take a jump because he was banged up a lot of last year, and he came on towards the end of the season. But Brenton Strange did a lot of the heavy lifting for them. So God. I like Strange as a player too. Well, he was. I I watched him. Receive the worst tackle attempts in the known history of man last year. <laughs> oh, in that Purdue game. Right. Like, yes. he, he just catches the ball, <laughs> and, like, a defensive back would be like, <laughs> nothing would happen. And he would, like, go 80 yards, just trailing a bunch of Lilliputian idiots. Yeah. So, now's the Aller talk time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, with Aller, he's a big guy. 
got the pedigree. Verbeg. He's got a good arm, you know. Right. Pocket passer, yep. extreme pocket passer. Can, yeah. He's got a lot of little arm angles he likes to use. That was their whole – since Mahomes, everyone's just looking for that now. Um, but he, he can't really get out of the pocket. He can move okay, but yeah, he's not but a scramble. He's not, you know, J.J. And like, he's, and he's a, not even Clifford, I assume. Is he Navarre? <laughs> no, he's not that slow. No, he, he Navarre, can move Navarre scored a touchdown against Minnesota. Yes. I will have you know. Yes. Um, the Buffalo State. <laughs> I know what you're talking know about. What it is? Yes. Um, if, did he actually make it to the end zone, or is he still kind of? Is, is he like on the six yards? He's line inside right the now. three right now. We'll let you know at the end of the podcast <laughs> can, where he is. Can you imagine if John Navarre is listening to this podcast <laughs> and he just starts catching strays out of nowhere? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, he actually is kind of like a he. He, list, he does read our stuff sometimes. Oh, that's, I, we're sorry. He's John. one of the few guys I have, and like, and he's a really, really good dude too. I've heard he's oh, well, a really nice guy. Well, let's. By yeah. all means, let's it just... Would, that what used to happen to me last year. Like, I would listen to Ace's podcast, and they would sometimes quote some of my pieces, and, be, and like I would just be moving along my day, and then they're just like, Alex Strange from go along. I'm like, hey! <laughs> but the words out of their mouth yeah. after Alex Strange from Engro Blog weren't, how unbelievably slow <laughs> <laughs> He just couldn't hit the right letters on the keyboard. <laughs> John Navarro would be the first one to tell a joke about John Navarro's speed. Uh, He's <laughs> so with Aller, the, the question is, can he be accurate enough? He was under 60% in high school. Not 45%, but he well, was wait, under 60. What? Not Joe Milton. So the, the five-star, six-foot-six pocket passer did not complete 65, no. 60% of his He was at 58 or 59. As a high school player. Yeah. What was his yards per attempt? Don't have that off in high school. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't have that off. Come on, Alex. <laughs> Go to one of your he, spreadsheets. He's got. He's he could have had is, it. Yeah, you <laughs> if have, anyone's gonna have it, it's him. What about on this other page here? <laughs> notebooks here. I have his stats from last year, but uh, very visual podcast. So we did see Aller play last year because he Aller came in last in. Go ahead. Allard last year, 58.3% completion, four touchdowns, zero picks, 5.7 yards per attempt. So when he played at Michigan after Clifford got taken out, like we, we watched that game, and there was very little that you saw in that game where you were like— That was one of his worst showings, I yeah. think, because I watched a compilation reel of all of his throws from last year, and he played in a lot of games. Like, they did everything they could to get him in. Yeah, they were getting him ready. I mean, the one thing that's a concern for Penn State is for so many years— they have been defined by having a quarterback who can fix a bunch of stuff with right. his legs. Yeah. And, I mean, before it was Clifford, it Trace was McSorley. Trace McSorley, who is probably their best quarterback. Yeah, Trace McSorley I, was real good. I would argue for Clifford. But either way, you know, those guys would take 75 hits a game. They'd end up with 50 rushing yards. They'd get outside the pocket and make something happen four or five times a game. And Aller is going to bring exactly zero of that. More than likely. So they're going to need that O-line to yes. be what so it's quote-unquote supposed for to be. For years, their quarterbacks have been papering over issues with their offensive line, and now they really need that O-L to come through. Didn't Franklin recently like refuse to name Aller the starter? Well, there was the thing where he liked a tweet. I mean, whatever. But that happens. That just, why isn't Bob Bostad at Penn State? Oh, great mystery. Why, why, why are we giving them ideas? Because I mean, Jay, I know, James Franklin normally makes really good hires, but that's been his thing. Is that his his hires his assistants are usually really good. Maybe Bostad's wife just looks like a normal person. On 
on the Allard accuracy thing, um, I went and when I was watching all of his throws from last year, I was charting them, right? And oh. his downfield success rate came out okay, but the biggest thing was like all of his minuses were inaccurate. Like there were very few, you know, batted or throw right. or whatever. Like they were all inaccurate. And when you watch the spring game tape, it didn't look any better from an accuracy standpoint. So to me, it's just like, number one, can he read a defense? I think he, maybe he can. But then can he get the ball where he wants it to go, especially on the deep stuff? I thought on the shorter stuff, he was fine. But does he hit enough of the deep shots that they need him to? And I don't know at this point. And do time. they have receivers that are capable of getting open? Yeah, they have question marks there. But my thing with Penn State is there's – Penn State is like at this little – area in the middle of the woods and there's nothing else around them for and somehow all the thoughts of Penn State fans make it out everywhere all over the internet. So like the What Drew are you talking about? I I'll come getting to it. So now Penn State fans I, are we're in that breaking bad meme all of a sudden. <laughs> Jesse, what are you talking about? <laughs> Penn, sorry, Penn State fans are convinced that Drew Allar is going to like save the program now. Like yeah. that, yeah. Clifford had a ceiling. They had they were tired of him. They went through the same thing with McSorley, and Clifford was going to be the savior. They went through the same thing with Hackenberg, and McSorley was going to be the savior. They did well, the same thing with McLoyne, and Hackenberg was going to be the savior. To be fair, I think. Uh, to be fair, McSorley, he was kind of a savior. Kind of, kind he of, got yeah, him out of it. But, yeah, there's definitely just a point that they want – they're projecting all of their hopes hopes, and dreams on Dallar. They've developed a, you know – and I don't think relationship. Be any they're a social relationship. Yeah. They want, yeah. He's not going to be better than Clifford. Clifford was awesome last year. He was the best thing of that offense. He was the reason Michigan was like, you know what? We're just going to put Taylor Upshaw out there and contain well, because we don't sure. want to trace this guy around. And that's another another factor. Like the the pass rush grades. I mean, the pass blocking grades on their offensive line have to be taken into context. That the most dangerous thing about the Penn State offense last year was Clifford escaping the pocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have that, and people are going to be teeing off. And I think there's a non-zero chance that their offensive line just folds like a like a house of cards. Could. Fashanu well, has the has the talent and yeah, the, the scouting. Guy. He has we have the one upside, guy. But yeah. The but, other guys are just have just been there. That's their thing. I mean, they, they still don't. have uh, Caden Wallace at right tackle. No one, no one thinks Penn State's offense is going to be winning them the game, so it's their defense. All right, so other side of the ball. Um, I still don't love their defensive tackles. Okay. That's my biggest issue with their out the door. And he took a step back last year, well, too. Well, he was hurt. He didn't actually play against us. Uh, yeah, he did. Did he? I thought he did. Mustafer played against us. Maybe you, could, you tried the offense. I don't. I, I remember well, they don't even have names yeah. on their back. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. He was not. He himself. was not. He yeah. was not the old Mustafer. Yeah, but they have the same guys from last year: Keem Beeman, Devon Ellis, Koziah Zard. I haven't seen anything from any of those guys to this point to make me think any of them are impact players. And when we're talking about a matchup between Penn State and Michigan, that's my biggest. You know, can those guys hold, right. hang in there against Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan? After getting plowed for 411 yards. Yeah. Last year. And their thing in the offseason is they added Old Dominion starter Alonzo Ford, who's 275. As a DT? Yeah. And they're like, this guy is the, the, you know, we fixed it. It just feels like they've built their program to beat Ohio State. Okay, good. Go, please. We need someone. Right? To do like, that. it just that they've kind of ignored defensive tackles, but they're strong in the secondary. They're strong. 
you know, other places on the defense, but the, the kind of up the middle and the way Michigan plowed them last year, I just don't know if they've made any changes to prevent that. Obviously, there will be schematic things that will help them, <clears throat> right. but just the man-to-man battles. But, you know, Feldman puts out the freaks list, and yep. there's like six to eight Penn State guys on it, most of them on defense. Well, they and, haven't not put guys in the NFL. Well, I'm just saying, like, I mean, like it's possible they're able to make up for whatever deficiencies they have it's on the possible. line. It's possible. I mean, got some dudes at linebacker. Well, another question for them is whether Chop Robinson could play against the run. Because <clears throat> yeah. last year he was kind of a gadget pass rusher of sorts. And can they leave him out there more? I mean, that's that's going to be enough to get him in the top 15 in the draft probably. So, Another name uh, at edge, Danny Dennis Sutton. Five-star, second-year player at edge. They, he had a big spring, so he could be a factor. Not sure if he will, but he's kind of a swing player on this defense that's definitely a name to watch. Yeah. Because the other edges I don't – Addison Isaac and some right. of those other guys I'm not crazy about. Um, but then their secondary should be very good. Secondary should be real good. Kalen King was awesome last year. Oh, what a miss for Michigan. I know. I know. <laughs> Just plug him into that CB2 spot and yeah. we're golden. Yeah. Oh and the other thing is that wasn't mentioned on TKA when you guys were discussing this with Sam, but Joey Porter Jr. missed a lot of games last year. He only played 400-some yeah. snaps. He missed several games. And the guy replacing him was actually very solid yeah. himself. Yeah, so it's, like, it's not like they haven't explored the post-JPJ world. Right. Like they did a lot last year, and they were fine. So, um, Johnny Dixon, I think. Yeah, it, there's him, and then there's Daquan Hardy, who is a little choppy, but... He's the nickel this year. He's the nickel this, he's the year, nickel yeah. this year. He, I have some questions about him, but he's, he's at least he's played. He's been around. And so they lose Jair Brown in the second in the safety level, but they had some guys who played last year too. Like I mean, they just always come up with an NFL safety. Yeah, they've always had yeah. secondary players going back. You know, well, here's uh, Keaton Ellis is the guy who's coming back. He's the guy who drove us nuts by breaking three. He, he, we had everything blocked to the safety except for he was the safety. Oh, yeah, that was that, that guy. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and then I don't like him. <laughs> and then the the guy. Um, who I think is going to be playing safety next to him is uh, is Ty Wheatley's kid, Zachy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So Could be. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's it's him or uh, Jalen Reed, who's another yeah. guy Michigan recruited. Hopefully he's an offensive lineman in denial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then their linebackers, they bring back four guys last year who all played 300-plus snaps. So, And a couple of them were pretty good players. So, yeah. I mean, this defense should be pretty good. Well, I mean, they're going to win a lot of games. This what is... about What about Manny Diaz versus Michigan, though? That's another question. That's a that's it. That's a negative for this year, because we so totally destroyed him last year. But it's Manny Diaz. But like, like I know he's going to put in a ton of effort to try to figure out what went wrong. But when it's like I didn't put guys in the B gap, like that's not <laughs> that's not fixable. That's who you are, right? But as like a human being. Well, they definitely yeah. had a really aggressive blitzy defense last year. They yeah. loved to come after you, and Michigan kind of seized on well, that. I, and I mean, I they going, jumped guys off the line of scrimmage. They had one guy on the line of scrimmage on one of those plays. Well, I was just I was just going over the UFR, and I, there was a section of the UFR that was just like, "What the hell are you doing, Manny?" Yeah, <laughs> and like it's like Michigan has first and goal, and there's just no one in the B gap, and you're like, "All right, who's showing up in the B gap post snap?" And the answer was nobody. And I'm sure that's a bust. Mm-hmm. But the consistency with which they busted just kind of speaks to either James Franklin or Manny Diaz, or it's just not something where a, a defense with a lot of guys who have seen a lot of time 
should ever see happen, and it happened like six times in that game. Or they had like the same defensive coordinator forever, and then Diaz comes in, and he's like the new guy changing things up. Like, uh, could that's uh, that's not a bad point, actually. Yeah, uh, dang it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, Penn State's going to be a ten and two team. That's yeah. that's what they are. I mean, they, you know, I or think, eleven and one. I think certainly, if they had the Ohio State game in State Valley, they could definitely win that game. It's a little harder to see them going into Columbus, but you say Happy Valley or State College, you can't, yeah. you can't <laughs> turn that into State, State Valley. Valley. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Happy, we're on Happy College. Hours, Happy college. Hour six word. of podcasting. So, yeah, um, Beaver Park. <laughs> but anyway, stop it. If you guys say Alex Orgy's last name, you're in trouble. (laughs) So anyway, they're going to be a a pretty darn good team, and they're going to challenge Michigan. It's not going to be easy going in there, but I do like the way Michigan is set up to to defeat them versus Ohio State, right? Like I think their ability to put, you know, Kalen King on Ohio State's best offensive piece, you know, sets up favorably for them, whereas Michigan, you could argue Michigan's best offensive piece is Zach Zinner, and they don't have that, so... Someone did. Mm-hmm. All right. On to the big bad. Ohio State currently going into the season with the quarterback battle still underway. Yeah, that one I was a little surprised it hasn't been decided so yet. So what, what is a more point, bigger point of concern? Their lack of a obvious quarterback or whatever their offensive line is? The offensive line. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They got absolutely stomped in their spring game. and <laughs> I, I, That tape was gruesome. And I know that offensive lines take longer to gel and all that kind of stuff, right. it, but like, it's whoa. It's not about gelling when your tackles are getting run over on every play. And they don't have like the long line of five-star guys that they've been putting out there for a while. Right? An offensive line, they actually have really highly rated guys. They just have... But it's the but worst position play. to go star chasing. But they had like Petit Friere and... Right. They don't have yeah. those guys. Their starting left tackle is a San Diego State transfer who will have damning information on who, that I will relate in the hot take segment. <laughs> But <laughs> other than he plays for Brady Hoke, well, yes. <laughs> so they they took a San Diego State transfer who was not really a high level transfer after spring, by the way. After yeah. spring, and he looks like he's their starting left tackle. Their and, right tackle is one of the few three stars on their entire roster, Josh and, Fryer and Doug mm-hmm. uh, Les Maris, the Cleveland Plain Dealer guy, mm-hmm. was recently on a podcast and he was talking about, yeah, I watched his game nine last season. This guy cannot play for Ohio State. Who? Fryer? No. Uh Simmons. Simmons. Mm. Oh. So like that's a that's a five alarm fire. And the, the kind of sneaky thing that you're like, oh well they're going up against Ohio State defensive ends. A lot of good tackles can get run over by those guys. Ohio State defensive ends last year, not named Zach Harrison, were not good at rushing the passer. JTT had that one game against Penn State. Mm-hmm. His season long pass rush win rate was nine percent. As we've said in another podcast, Taylor Upshaw's was 10%. Well, and most of that Penn State game, number one, was Clifford throwing it right to yeah, him. Just and, the other, right and the other half was he was always coming off the right side against Caden Wallace. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Caden Wallace is a turnstile. So. so, like, the guys who were absolutely demolishing the Ohio State tackles didn't really produce last year. And maybe they're taking a quantum leap, they're five stars or whatever. But They're, like, super five stars. They're, like, the number one yeah. overall recruit ever. But, you know, <laughs> they did not... 
produce at that level last year. And what I'll say about— And even Zach Harrison didn't really develop that much. And you got to start wondering, like, there was a clip. Mm-hmm. Are we doing the defense now? Yeah. We're just going right? We're just okay. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Reeling you back oh, to the yeah, I'm sorry. I got, right. I got things to say. I got opinions. <laughs> um, There's a Larry Johnson hot take. Yeah, oh, no, we're right there. Oh, we're right there. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting for it. <laughs> um, what I'll say about their offensive line is that I got to get a lot of video of Kyle McCord under fire. And, like, how he responds to pressure. Like and that's how that spring game really – like, I was like, this is the most insightful thing is he's running every play. I think he's more mobile than Stroud, McCord is. Um, like, voluntarily or capability? Both. Okay. Like, he seemed much more inclined. And I know Devin Brown is a, is decently mobile, too. Yeah. So I do think quarterback run will be a better, bigger part of their offense than it was under Stroud. Probably have to be, right? Save for the Georgia game. but Like, unless they were certain about who their quarterback was going to be in, going into the season – and it doesn't sound like it's one of those good problems either. Like Michigan decided that they were going to do their in-season quarterback battle, but Harbaugh was like, we got two starters, it's fine, it's good. But we know who the starter's going to be. And, like, and Ryan Day's like, I really wish this wasn't happening. So <laughs> the weird thing about this battle is we haven't seen a lot of these guys. McCord started against Akron in 2021 when Stroud was hurt. But otherwise, he played a shockingly – few amount of snaps for a guy on a team that never plays any real games. All right, like you're at Ohio State. Nine of the games don't matter at all. Get the guy in. But I think they were trying to get Stroud the Heisman. So he didn't really play at all. So we haven't gotten to see him a lot. And Devin Brown we haven't seen, like, at all. And he was hurt in the spring. So I got nothing on you for Devin Brown. You can go read his 24-7 page or whatever. So, but McCord in the spring game, you said that you saw him yeah. deal with a lot of pressure. And how do you feel he did? He did okay against it, but I definitely felt that he's not going to be anywhere close to as accurate as Stroud. Obviously, no one is, but there, you know, there were some issues there. And he definitely made some throws. That, like, How many times did you watch Stroud make a throw and say, oh, man, horrible decision. I can't do that with the ball. Right. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. And like he definitely made some throws, like right two linebackers and stuff like that, where it was like, you know, this isn't something we've seen from Ohio State in a little while. So, you know, can he progress further and that sort of thing? But to me, it looked like a significant downgrade from a guy who was a Heisman finalist back-to-back years. Well, they've just had this machine where it's just like it's Haskins and then it's Stroud and then like it's just. Well, like they had Barrett, Barrett. Like they had, they, they had, haven't. Um, the the Haskins, Terrell or, or Pryor, Cordell, no, Braxton uh, Miller, Braxton Miller, and then Terrell Pryor. I mean, we're basically going back to the Carr era now, right? And they they really haven't had a situation where they put a guy in at quarterback and he's just kind of like going through some growing pains. Yeah. They just throw a ready-made NFL quarterback guy on the field, and it sounds like no matter who wins this quarterback battle, it's going to be more of a, like, developmental season for this guy. Yeah. The last guy, time of Ohio State quarterback could, was having a developmental season. Well, I mean, we thought it could be Stroud in his redshirt freshman year, and mm-hmm. then it was not. And it weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, that's the take on, on the quarterback's they do have a track record, as you mentioned. We have to cut them some slack on that. And they have an offense that, outside of the offensive line, I mean, will be very friendly for the quarterback. Sure. Receivers are always open, et cetera. First-round receivers, you get Trayvon Henderson. Trayvon Henderson, Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams. Yeah, Is so. Is a linebacker now? No, he's still, no, he's, he's still, a running back. He's, he's like their fourth running back now, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I love their running back room, even though I'm not as crazy on Henderson, because I just love Mayan Williams. Yeah. I, mean, he, I think it's he's the second best ball. running back room in the conference. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's much question about that. I mean, maybe Wisconsin, but that's a different. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say. Um, yeah. But Mayan Williams is awesome. We'll see if Henderson can regain 
some his of his mojo. yeah from his freshman year. Um, and then they had Dallin Hayden, who looked fine against Maryland when he played. Yeah, he looked okay. I thought Chip Trainum had a couple runs in the game that I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. So, well, he did, yeah. He's a, he's a truck. I mean, and, that guy's hard to bring down. That's and why they got Stover back, too. So it, it, it will be a friendly offense for the quarterback outside of the pass protection. They, do not, they don't even know Stover's there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fine. They threw a fourth down to him. That Jalen Harrell defended. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, you were I thought you said they threw a third down to him in the end zone. No. Well, yeah, they also they did, did that, too. But, that too. Um, Do we have a photo of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. Showing it to the non-existent so, camera. So one of the things that's really key for Ohio State, I think, this year is that they got to actually turn Mayan Williams and Trip, Trip Trianum into, like, short yardage useful players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as I harped again and again in the UFR after this game, they're – power success rate last year was something like 119th yeah it was real bad yeah so and they got away with it because cj stroud but they're not going to get away with that this year so they got to find some way to actually have a short yardage offense they'll probably get away with it in a number of games well yeah but but there's, i mean there's a handful of they're games playing notre dame in on the road four and I they think. play wisconsin on the road they play wisconsin there's going to be they're going to be in some games Especially if they also play Western Kentucky in the third week, who supposedly has like a really pass happy up tempo offense. Yes, that's that what they've always been. Yeah. yeah, Bailey Zappi alumni. So nice. this could be a little, uh, not even a little bit of a step back. This could be like a major step back where their offense isn't like a well oiled machine and it's just a little wonky. What they might have the be- one of the best players well, in college yeah, football they're still, like, they're on still that gonna, offense. They're still yeah. going to score like a couple of thunderstrike t- touchdowns a game. But are they going to be up 49 to nothing at halftime against a Big Ten team? I don't think so. Probably not. Probably Indiana. Maybe <laughs> Michigan <could>. State. <laughs> on CBS. <laughs> um, All right, maybe Michigan State. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Michigan State secondary and Marvin Harrison. I, like, mean, I don't, I don't so, want to. Like, and Amico Bukwa is probably going to get better this year. Like The draft people belong at Bukwa. Yeah, he's, you're just not a fan. He's Donovan Peoples-Jones. That's who he is. I wouldn't say that. but One other thing for me with their offensive line, I don't know how Ohio State is in a position where – they have the potential to be starting multiple second-year offensive linemen. Well, like, how does that happen at a school that recruits that well? Because people leave. They didn't recruit that well on the offensive line. That's your answer. Greg Studwara came in, and Ohio State fans are livid at what he did his two years there. Well, the other thing with this offensive line is we've talked a lot about the tackles, but they're breaking in a redshirt freshman center because yeah. they lost Luke Whipler a year earlier than they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have Donovan Jackson, who's like in the running with Zinter to be the best guard in the in the conference. Very different kind of guard, but, but mm-hmm. and, yeah, and again, like he's he's like a finesse pass pro guy. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about him. And they also return Matthew Jones, who's been their weakest link on that line for a couple of years. So, so it's like, are they going to be better in short yardage? Do they have the ability to man up? Like, part of what Michigan does is they they have an attitude in their program. And Ohio State has a different attitude in their program, and that works great when you can pass protect and you get all the whiz bang guys, and you got a quarterback who's going to go in the top two in the NFL draft. But if they have to drive the field, are they going to be able to do that? And that's something that they've kind of struggled with over the past. Can they convert years. those third and longs when they come up? Third twos. I mean, well, a couple that's things. That, one, but a couple of things they have going for them: one, Marvin Harrison versus one person anywhere. Two people. <laughs> okay, so now you're gonna have added, So now you're adding two people. So now you're gonna have more space for a lot of guys who have a lot of stars. They brought in another 
whole bunch of five stars on offense who are I know they always will and have and that. they and they'll get but those guys wide, in space and they do something. Their wide receiver group can literally not be better than it has been for like eight years, and I think that they've kind of focused so much on that that there's some cracks in the foundation. Well, and like you look at what happened to like the best NFL offense ever with Brady in 07 is he gets the Super Bowl. They get the Super Bowl and they score what, like 10 points or 14 points because Brady's always picking himself off himself off the ground. And so you can have the best wide receivers of all time. But if your quarterback can never set his feet or is always running, I mean, I know, but I, I feel like I don't have to make a devil's advocate argument that like, you know, one of the best offenses in the country last year, it's going to be a good offense. I mean, Ryan Day I'm, I'm is saying, probably the best offensive coordinator in college football. Uh, well, he, I mean, one thing that happened this offseason is that they He's lost. not going to call plays. Oh, ex- ex- except for third and two. <laughs> well, they they lost Kevin Wilson. Yeah, it's true. And their offense like went from really good to electric when Kevin Wilson showed up. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that Ryan Day doesn't know his way around a football, but Kevin Wilson was able to make Indiana one of the most interesting offenses in America. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, and they're, they're talking me out of Ohio State's offense. This is pretty. No, no, I'm, not like, that, I'm not saying that they're not going to be good, but they were first in SP plus last year, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I so. mean, the 2021 offense was first, you know, by a margin that was unfathomable. I mean, so we're talking about them falling to 12th. Marvin Harrison couldn't even play in that offense. Yeah, their receiver room in in twenty one was better than their one last year. Yeah, because they had Olave Wilson, Wilson and JSN, JSN. and yeah. and Marvin Harrison who couldn't see the field. Well, because they had three first round picks. But that's who what I freshman. But that's what I mean. And also, you can only have so many wide receivers. Like you could. I mean, that's the recruiting thing. Yeah, I mean they they got <laughs> wide receivers coming out their ears, but if your quarterback. It looks like Anthony Morelli after Alan Branch got done with him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Should we talk about their defense? Sure. We should. There was a press conference that they had with Larry Johnson. <laughs> and Larry Johnson was asked what he thought about Jim Knowles' jack position. And he said, I don't know anything about that in the most dismissive way possible. He should have said it was it was he should have said I don't know Jack. And <laughs> thank you. Very good. Uh, so he went it was an inappropriate answer in a way that I don't think I've seen before. And I I wonder if there's some dissension in the ranks there. There definitely is. That is he alternates between these quotes like you could either interpret his quotes as like he disagrees with Jim Knowles, there's been a few of these, or he's just senile. And Ohio State <laughs> fans can't decide which wow. ones. That I, I wasn't gonna go, but like he—that's what Ohio State fans have been saying for a year or two. I mean, he might be past it because, like, yeah, Zach Harrison was a third-round pick, but he was a third-round pick because he almost ran out down Donovan Edwards in the open field. Yeah, he was—he—he uh, he was a super five-star. He was like, a, he, like he didn't get picked yeah. based on his production, but his potential. Right. We've talked about JTT, who's. Doesn't really seem like he's get, been an impact pass rusher. Hasn't hasn't really improved from being the best overall recruit what, of his year. What Tui Moloa has to get better at is showing up in the big games. Because you look at his PFF scores, dominated against the little teams. But the last, five, oh, Penn's. <laughs> the last five... Oh, Penn. The last five games... The last five games, he was just a ghost. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was Yeah, he was not seen against Michigan, not seen against Georgia. And so they got to get him and Sawyer to show up 
in the games that matter because their reserves at edge are mostly like redshirt freshmen that you know you're not really sure if they're ready yet and they don't have a lot of other options they they need two five star mega five star juniors to hit it's not a crazy expectation no right. it's not a crazy expectation but you know Taryn Vincent was a mega five star defensive tackle and he was a senior last year and Michigan whipped his ass yep for the he, second year in a row and then he was a UDFA yep so yeah what's happened to Larry Johnson because the <laughs> he, this I mean this guy has been around forever he you was know, the guy responsible for Paterno's defensive line yes yeah Paterno. Paterno. <laughs> How long ago was that? I, I think he started working for him in 1949. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, Larry Johnson Jr. had an entire NFL career in like, and, and like under, <laughs> under son is already Urban retired. Meyer, none of this would have ever happened. No. Because Urban Meyer ran the tightest ship you could possibly imagine to the point of insanity. But except for his wide receiver coach. Well, that is running a tight ship for Urban Meyer. Yeah. Because he hid that stuff he did, yeah. for years. Yeah. He's not a moral person. He's not a good person. But he knew how to run a program. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if Ryan Day does. That's one of the questions. I mean, the you know, another thing for them on the defensive line are the remaining defensive tackles. Because last year they had five of them they rotated through. This year they're down to three or four of those. They picked up a guy from Ole Miss as a transfer. I don't know if he's going to play much, but their three returners. Michael Hall Jr. is a guy that draft scouts love. I guess he was banged up a little bit last year. I'm intrigued. Tyleek Williams, I kind of like. Ty Hamilton, I don't really at all. But they haven't gotten any dudes at this position for a few years. And that, to me, is almost as big as whether they can get an edge rusher to pop. And we saw what happens when Michigan doesn't have DTs. Against Ohio State. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, that's been the case more or less for well, Ohio State against Michigan, and that's why... That was the game last year. Well, yeah. it was yeah. two years ago. And uh, yeah, They just last... ran the ball, that blasted them, and ran the ball down well, in 21. The, the game last year was like, we can't let last year happen again, so we're going to have cover zero on a bunch of snaps, and eventually yep. that cracked. Yep. And then they took it off for one one drive, and it was the and same thing as 2021. Yeah, took it off for one drive, and Michigan was on the field for like 17 plays. Yeah. Yeah, so... And ran in it with JJ. <laughs> it's a lot of the same guys. They just need internal development. They need those guys to mature, and it's, at this point, reasonable to wonder whether it can happen under Larry Johnson. So... And then at cornerback, they got Denzel Burke back, but he's just a guy. I don't... He... he this is the thing about the NFL Draft Scouts, what I said on a previous podcast, is like they go off of recruiting rankings to some degree, and a lot of it's just your measurables and stuff. I mean, Denzel Burke is popping up in like first-round mock drafts, and I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> Jeff Okuda went high. He was really he, good in college. He was good at Ohio State. Oh, I mean, they used to have, remember? Hold on a second. Jeff Okuda was good because he was athletic, but Jeff Okuda did not even know where to put his hands at the snap. And like there were, there was like a whole YouTube video by Brett Coleman about like what is going on with this guy. Like how come this guy? How come Okuda does not know how to play football when he was with the Lions? Sure, I mean they used to have a string of really good corners: Gary and Conley, yeah. Ward, Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. So anyway, Burke he's now a junior. He's got two years of starting experience, so you should expect improvement. But you should have last year, and there wasn't really any. So. That's yeah. a little problematic. Michigan didn't really attack the corners. I mean, the, the Loveland touchdown, you know, there was a cornerback on Loveland, but, like, that's not I what thought they... that was Ransom. Was that on Ransom, too? Yes. It was on Ransom, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Poor guy. Ransom. Yeah. 
Ransom star of the show. Had the worst game in the history of the. Well, Burke was the one yeah. covering the first Cornelius Johnson touchdown, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was the, the guy one that just got beat on the sideline. Yeah. The other corner spot, they lost Cam Brown. It sounds like there's a competition, which I was surprised by. When they got Ibinosin from Ole Miss, who was the guy that Michigan wanted, yeah. mm-hmm. I thought he was just an easy starter. And he's battling a guy named Jordan Hancock, who's third-year player. He got just cooked last year incessantly when he played. So I don't know why there's a competition there unless Hancock has improved. Because I thought Ibinosin was a solid player at Ole Miss, you know, profiled as yeah. an easy plug-and-play starter. And it sounds like they're going to play Sonny Styles, five-star sophomore, that at is, the nickel. That is the one that is a little worrying to me. Yeah, he could be pretty good. Because he's like 6'4 and 230 pounds, and he might be able to play nickel. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy that maybe checks Loveland. I, he might be the guy on the schedule <laughs> yeah. who could do that. Yeah. Um, but like he just – he's a guy who like if he hits, it's like Dax Hill plus plus. Uh-huh. And that just changes everything you can do. And like, I mean, that's what Ohio State's been though. They no. they're the pro program that ha- that gets like some that they have these guys these who are ridiculously good, and then they fill in with guys who are decent, who are well coached. But like, like the way they're talking about this kid is like could be like a, a like a program changer. Not that they need a program changer exactly, yeah. but. Like he's he's the guy where it's like if he really hits, it's like he can paper over a lot of flaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, safety um, ransoms back. <laughs> Didn't show up in the big games. Well, he did. <laughs> he was he's, on the screen. <laughs> he is momentarily. He's all over the highlight reel. <laughs> they they uh, brought in Jihad Carter from Syracuse. Seems okay. Doesn't this seem like an excessive number of transfers to be sticking on your defense if you're really feeling confident? Sort of. But they also got a they have Josh Knowles. they have Josh Proctor. So he's gotta back. go get different guys, maybe. I, I mean, maybe. I mean Michigan plugged one hole with a with a defensive transfer and it felt like that's because they're really solid. Yeah, I I just don't love their secondary. It's not horrible, but it it just hasn't to this point, who in the secondary is getting a star on the diagram? None. Maybe it'll be Styles. Maybe, maybe it'll be, be styles. someone else. But to this point, there isn't one. So that's another question for them. Right now, honestly, the only star on their defense is Tommy Eichenberg, oh, that linebacker. There, I was waiting for this this, this conversation because like Eichenberg is kind of like just another guy to like. He's not crazy athletic, but he's a really good run defender. Where does he fit on Michigan's linebacker depth chart? Well, he'd start. He'd start. He's like a... What about Steel Chambers? He's kind of bad. He would not start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eichenberg's like a... He'll put his, pin his ears back and hit a dude. Yeah. Tommy Two Thumbs. He can find a hole and he can thump it. <laughs> yeah. But why was he calling him Tommy Two Thumbs when he didn't have any thumbs? Like, he broke both of his thumbs. He's Tommy No Thumbs. <laughs> two broken thumbs. Get on it, Clat! Fix thumbs. it! Sorry, I shouldn't be yelling at Joel Clat. So the final question with Ohio State's defense is, you know, this is year two of Jim Knowles. And if you look at Knowles at Oklahoma State, they got progressively better year after year. Yeah, but if you look at Knowles everywhere else, they did. So which one is it, right? Yeah. Did I steal your thunder? No, I was asking you that question. So you you just. He was setting it up on the team. So the (laughs) thing about Knowles is that his defense got really good in the Big 12 when he started using a three safety 
approach against the Big 12. With incredibly infuriating names for those positions, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like Larry Johnson. <laughs> but Who's it, older, Alex Drain or Larry Johnson? <laughs> the Jack is now a commonly accepted term, at least. He uses... Adjuster. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's the, what are the other ones? They're, I don't remember. It does. It does sound what, like. What one like was a, Bandit? I think Bandit. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Adjuster sounds like he works for Adjust. Yeah, yeah. Adjuster was free safety. Bandit was strong safety. And then they had a dumb name for their nickel too. I don't think we put it in Rocket HGTV. or something. No, that was the old position. Oh man. Why don't? Why do? Just just call it nickel. It's, Why does every team have to have a different? I love. Nickel? I used to point. I used to put that in full film every week. I'm like, what are we calling the hybrid this week? Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It became a thing. Yeah, like Penn State calls it the hero, right? <laughs> and uh, state had a, state called it the star. Yeah. Uh, Indiana called it the husky. Yeah, that's the best name by that's far. The best. That, that, one, that one's still around. I give I him credit. Viper for that. was pretty good yeah, too. Yeah, I like Viper. Well, husky yeah. just implies that you're, you know, you're an offensive lineman or something. It doesn't make yeah. sense. It was Eagle at Boston College for uh, um, well, for, for Don Brown, yeah. But there was there was always a bunch of good ones. I, that, that era is dying. There's you don't need the the hybrid anymore. So Cause no, now, you do because everybody like but no, everyone, everyone just like, plays a real nickel nowadays. Everyone is kind of yeah, now. Everyone, the whole thing is you're trying to be as everyone's interchangeable. Did right? They called the nickel the cover safety. What? <laughs> This right. goes back to their old defense where, like, they had three cornerbacks and they're, like, the, the slot cornerback. And- <sighs> to the point about Knowles, he, he, like, his career as a defensive coordinator is just a bunch of mediocre defenses. And then he kind of catches fire at Oklahoma State. And then Ohio State hires him. And it's kind of like, okay, did he just get lucky? Was he a little bit ahead of the curve with this three safety thing? Like, is he really a difference maker as a, defend- a defensive coordinator? Because it kind of feels like, like, what are we doing here? You want to stop the Michigan Wolverines. So you're going to go hire a defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State? Like, what could he possibly prove against a power rushing game at Oklahoma State? <laughs> I think that they... You know who they should have hired? Ryan Walters. Yeah. I think that they Googled, like, most impressive defensive coordinator 2021. <laughs> and that was who came up. Because, look, getting a top 5, 10 defense, the Big 12, great. Yeah. Really impressive. Let's get him. But it does. It does feel like someone Googled something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like, it's nice to have a connection to a really well-run NFL organization, right? Like, my God, like Michigan's like, all right, we need to do the Ravens. Yep. Miner's leaving. Okay, cool. Send the next one. Yeah, we'll be good. Just no more computer crimes, please. <laughs> Actually, if we get Bryce Underwood. Yeah. That is the greatest computer crime in the history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about the other side of the, the conference, but much more briefly. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder, and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. 
And if you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other, wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or app application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OG. Original geeks of programmable community.
Meet your pug returner, Alex <laughs> This better go in order. <laughs> I know is, uh, I think he's going to get actually a lot of options at that. Uh, he's going to get opportunities at that position. I think he, we're going to see what he can do. Uh, it is insane to imagine just like a Vince Young-sized dude just trucking people after he catches the ball. I, I would love to see it. I think if anyone would want to make that happen just for the sake of making that happen, it's Jim Harbaugh. And I, would, <laughs> I think that would be – like that That to me would like warm him in the depths of his soul to see yes. <laughs> just him just trucking people. So crossing fingers. All right. Seth, give me your hottest take. Make J.J. McCarthy the primary play caller in game one. Is he also on the field? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Well, for, uh, <laughs> I came up with this when they when they when Harbaugh wasn't going to be coaching and when they, they were going to have oh, okay. like oh yeah. So I, I yeah. thought like they were going to be down Sharon Moore and and Grant Newsom at that point. So I was like, okay, maybe. And so you wrote this hot take like weeks ago, and you're like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just going to keep it. I'm just going to keep it because <laughs> it's too good, right? Like, do you, do you, do you need how much play calling do you need in order to beat? Whoever is on our schedule None. at the beginning, the yeah, Pirates. ECU Pirates, right? So, and JJ, like, let him operate the offense. Our complaint is he's not running the ball enough. Maybe he'll call his own number a few times. But he's also got to make sure the other guys are happy too, right? But like, just get him a feel for it. Get him a feel for like what, how the whole thing operates, and like let him kind of be part of the decision. And then like afterwards, he'll have that. Like if he makes a couple mistakes, okay, he'll have that the rest of the year. And you've got like, you know, a little OC head starting up, starting to be a quarterback. Let him call the plays. The manning of JJ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, Mm -hmm. I mean, they do, a lot of quarterbacks do this. It's not like the, it's not the most awful wall thing in the world. Dave, give me your hottest take. James Franklin has a cooler seat than Ryan Day. (laughs) <laughs> Probably, yes. Is that a hot take? Yes. Is that a hot take? But his shtick well, is not having hot takes. But No, no, no. So this, <laughs> this is part of the debate that we're going to have to have. In, Uh-oh. Because Dave, you're Dave, just... Dave, I, I have a question. Is James Franklin's seat cooler than your hot takes? <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. I, well, like, if, But Ryan Day's 45 and 6. If James Franklin loses to Michigan this year, he's not getting fired. If he loses, no if if he Can't loses, say that about Ryan Day. If he loses <laughs> to Michigan and Ohio State, he's not getting fired. Yeah, he does not get fired because no he way. doesn't. I think a, Ryan Day could be thirty nine and three in the Big Ten career and get fired. Yes, because he's 0-3. He could. Yeah, which is, but in some levels that's insane. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's an insane place. Well, Alex, give me your hottest take. Well, this is building off of that, but James Franklin is the most. Overrated and underrated coach in college football simultaneously. <laughs> this isn't even hot. This is I just mean, truth. Yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's just the truth. Yeah, like we, just, we just like talking about James Franklin. There's, it, it's just funny to me because there's like half of it where it's like, haha, James Franklin, he's so bad. Like, well, you know, blah, blah. and it's like, okay, but he wins a lot of games, and what he did at Vanderbilt was incredibly impressive, given their historical baseline. But at the same time, he has that like cult of media personalities that just love him and talk him up constantly and like constantly include him on lists way too high so there's the other side of it too so i I think it's a balancing act randy give me your hottest take jj mccarthy blake corum and donovan edwards will all be at the heisman ceremony 
That is as hot as we can get because there is no human way they would even put two guys on the same. But that is my expectations and my hopes for this season that they are all so great, statistically great, win the games, play the way we know they're going to play. That means tons of Edwards and Corum lining up in the same backfield. And, you know, we just don't know what the play like. Why wouldn't you do that on almost every single play and force them to think about, are they going to throw to Donovan on a wheel route? Are they going to hand it off to him or Blake Corum all the way? I, I'm just so excited for this particular season. And given our recruiting and given like the fact that we're losing everybody from this class and whatnot, we better win it all this year is all I'm saying. All right. Here we go. If you're an Ohio State fan who lives in Tampa Bay, I've got good news. The Buckeyes are going to the Outback Bowl this year. God bless it. All right. They're starting a guy named Josh Simmons at left tackle who's a transfer from San Diego State. According to Pro Football Focus, Josh Simmons is the number seven blocker, not in the group of five. Mm-hmm. Not in the Mountain West, mm. on the San Diego State Aztecs. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Who's the head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs again? Brady Hoke. They got Brady Hoke's left tackle. They got Brady Hoke's seventh best lineman. <laughs> And he's their starting left tackle. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Jim Knowles doesn't know what a safety is. Nine and three. Tops. <laughs> Tell him about the show, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be here for some comedy after the, after the game on September 9th. You come join us here at Venue for a tailgate with the Sklars just hanging out. Then you go to the game. Then the game will be over by, like, the second quarter. And you can miss some of, you know, Alex, after Alex Orgy scores his two touchdowns and we're in, like, the fourth quarterback, you can go get some dinner. And then you can go see the Sklars down at the Comedy Showcase. One ticket. You can hang here at Venue for the tailgate. And then you can go to the, the show after the game. going to be a blast. Thank you guys so much. Love doing this. Love this show. Love all the MGO bloggers, and we'll see you at our shows on that Saturday night, September 9th. Thank you, Sklars. All right, the Big Ten West, Alex gave a fist pump for some goddamn reason <laughs> before we started this segment. Uh, I guess we're going to start at the bottom again. Let me guess, the Northwestern Wildcats. Yeah, Northwestern was a team that... How's A.J. Henning? Yeah. <laughs> There's like two ways to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. (laughs) There was the before the scandal, and then there was the after the scandal. Okay. Because before the scandal, you know, you could look at them and say, yeah, they could get to three, four wins, you know. (laughs) Do we really need to continue talking? Because they lost. Who, who who would those three or four wins have been before right, pull this? Pull up their schedule. They okay. lost to an FCS school last year. Yeah, but at, they had a they, UTEP. <laughs> they could probably beat UTEP. At they Duke? had losses nope. by I eight, mean, seven, three, ten, seven, eight, and fourteen last year. You got to watch out for that seven-star UTEP kicker, though. Yeah, there you go. Ah, uh, so that was funny. Good, good callback to was this last podcast? Yeah, it was yeah. like four four hours. one of these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when any of these quotes are from anymore. So. But no, they had a lot of close losses last year. They were weirdly competitive in some games, and they got a real quarterback. Did they? Yes. Ben Bryant. Two years. He Interesting trajectory for him. He was at Cincy. Then they sent him on a sabbatical to EMU. 
<laughs> he played a good season for EMU, so then they brought him back, and then he was their starter after Ritter left. Is that like a European soccer loan? Yes. Yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> loaned him to Eastern Michigan. But he played two years as a starter in the FBS with solid numbers, including at Cincy, which is a decent group of five program. So that's a decent player. It's a Big 12 program now. It's an upgrade <laughs> over Helensky and, and especially Sullivan, who started a lot of games for them last year. So Hunter Johnson. That right there is is oh. something. You just you can't just randomly name Northwestern quarterbacks in polite company. <laughs> they added a couple transfers at wide receiver, including Henning. Yeah. So well, we don't know if Henning can actually be a receiver. No, they, the guy they got from Arizona State, I think, is kind of decent. Okay. But um, their offensive line is definitely the weak spot of that offense. They have only two returning starters, and they lost the good one. Um, off a line that was dreadful. Okay, we, we're spending way too much time. I, 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 I've, okay. 90 more seconds. 90 uh, more seconds? <laughs> He's got like a full page. <laughs> I got that all Western? <laughs> I, I appreciate... Are you paying him to do this? No. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I hope he's doing this on his free time. Here, here's the summary. Here's the summary. Good linebackers, decent secondary... Iffy in the trenches. Okay. This before, is the, before, the, before the coaching collapsed, you and, thought they could be an improving team. And this now is, the coaching's collapsed. So. And so, but you're also talking about like like the defense relative to expectations, like they might get two wins. They or, won one game last year. If they get to four, that's a big improvement. Okay, yeah, that's right. the that's the case. But now that the coaching is a mess, they're also on an 11 game losing streak. They may be one and 11 again. All right. Well, uh, sucks. To be AJ Henning, I guess. I'm sorry about that, dude. I'll always remember the touchdown you scored against Ohio State. <laughs> I enjoyed that a great deal. Anyway, uh, who's up next? Uh, take your pick. Yeah, the, we're 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 now in the Big Ten. Probably most probably, probably Purdue. Nebraska. Purdue. Okay, Nebraska. Um, well, what? Who's who's on your list? Who's like? Well, it's just a group. It's just a glob. I would yeah. say Nebraska and Purdue are next. Yeah. The, one of those two. So. I mean, Nebraska feels like a real year zero for Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He got left a couple parts that are interesting, but it's a it's a rebuild for sure. Um, no, it's just a build. <laughs> There's no re. <laughs> yeah. They've been rebuilding since. Yeah. Uh, so they got Tom Jeff Osborne. Sims at quarterback. Texas transfer. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah. Now they don't run the triple option anymore. So he is a. You know, he's not a he's triple a quarterback. option quarterback. But he's he could be. He but he definitely yeah. could be. Um, you know, really thick, good power runner. can knock people over when he t- carries the See, ball. I think that spiritually, Nebraska cannot be successful unless they have that guy. Like, when Bill Callahan came in, that was a sin against man and God, and they are paying for it to this day. <laughs> Alex just wants to continue. Go ahead. Well, that was the problem with Casey Thompson. He didn't run enough then. Yes. Didn't he get hurt? I don't. You just got to get all the option quarterbacks, and if they die, they die. It's so weird. Rich Rod like, tried that. They got like the most perfect Nebraska guy, and he comes in and he like runs gimmicks and brings in transfers from Florida. Like Scott Frost was like the least Nebraska coach, Nebraska coach. The, the, of all the Nebraska coaches, and that was like their dude. And now they got like the perfect coach for Penn State. One other thing about quarterbacks, they still have Chuba Purdy on the depth chart. In case you were. Still hoping for that. that. Yeah. yeah. No more Logan Smothers, I don't think, though. So oh, that's oh. unfortunate. Anyway, they bring back all their running backs. Who were just guys. Yeah. Their receivers, uh, they lost Trey Palmer, who was their big one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not huge on their receivers. The offensive line is one of those interesting cases where it's like, well, all these guys were recruits, but 
they haven't progressed at all. Like, you look at the talent on that group, and it's like, they shouldn't be that bad, but they are. And There were some injuries last year, they, too. They had injuries. Yeah. They retained their offensive line coach because he was a newer hire in the late Frost era. So we'll see if he can... It's Donovan Riola. Yeah, it's Riola. So it's... Oh, Dominic Riola's brother. brother. Yeah. And he tried... Uh, I, I always pronounce the name right. Harry Highstand, the guy at Notre Dame, the offensive line coach, like the legendary coach there. Like, he trained under him. So he's like a, a continuation of Notre Dame's offensive line coaching, supposedly. So the offense, in summary, is probably not great. Um, but the defense... I like the back seven okay, but boy, that defensive line is a disgrace. I mean... Yeah, I charted that game last year, and it was just like, what is even the point of playing this game? It felt like a... Remember that Delaware State game? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Maybe that's a slight As of right now, <laughs> as of right now, there is a chance that two of their four starters in the defensive line could be true freshmen. They did... Do some. They did do well in recruiting by going around saying like, "Hey, yeah, those who, are talented troops." If you are a want, if you are a live body, you are starting this year. Okay, at defensive so you, tackle. year zero, year zero, year zero. I mean, they yeah. lost Houseman. They lost Nelson. Like they lost a lot up front, and you know their linebackers. They are hopefully have them healthy, and they were decent in past years. But you know Henrich and Reimer. We'll see if they can resuscitate them. So I, in ten games, how many times do they beat Michigan? Zero. It's hard to see a path to competitiveness with those defensive tackles. Yeah. So, but I, could they weasel their way to six wins? Possibly. No. They have a guy that I liked is uh, the, the tight end Fedone, who's not played yet. That was a guy Michigan liked. The Michigan okay. like thought he was he, Michigan's tight end scouting thought this guy was the bee's knees, and they couldn't oh. get him on campus I mean, during the COVID thing. That's the thing about Rule taking over this job is he's taking over a depth chart that. You know, has so many talented players, but they none of them have improved since senior year of high school. And for rule, it's getting those guys back on track. They go to Colorado in week two, which could be spicy, interesting. Yeah. All right, Purdue. I don't think they're going to be as bad as some people might think. Are you a card fan? He's a decent player. I mean, in terms of a transfer quarterback for Purdue, Hudson Card is like pretty good. Not bad. Yeah. Like he. Did not play that badly at Texas. Mm-mm, not and, at all. And we liked Mockaby. We like Mockaby. I love Mockaby. He's he. I mean, he's a walk-on who hurdles dudes. Like, how could we not love this guy? And I like their new coaches. Yeah, like Ryan I Walters, mean, we, and he brought in Graham Harold to be the air raid offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, like stand true to your roots on offense, and then Walters. I mean, this is probably another year zero situation because like they gotta replace the quarterback. They gotta. Replace who was a receiver last year? It was Chuck Sizzle. Chuck yeah. Sizzle. Yeah, we just saw him in a preseason game the other day. And so they got they got some work to do. But uh, yeah, I like these hires, and they're definitely iffy in the trenches. And that's going to be you know, one of their questions. Secondary is pretty iffy too. But I give Walter some slack. You know, if anyone can whip some shape into, I mean, it's going to take a couple. It's going to take a few years, but and he's going to have to hope that Michigan stops sniping his corner recruits. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think if you have Card and Mockaby and you have some smart coaches, you can kind of, you know, again, you're in a bad division. Can they weasel their way? You just love them people weaseling their way to They also play Virginia. I love to chart out paths to they, bowl eligibility. They, Virginia Tech is playing They also big play Virginia Tech. Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech is, they're applying for the Big Ten. Well, props <laughs> to them for actually scheduling a non-conference opponent. 
unlike some teams I could mention. Are we going to have this fight again? Michigan. Yes, we are. <laughs> we get, we, we'll have a non-conference opponent next year. All right. Beyond Purdue. Uh, Minnesota? Minnesota or Illinois? Take your pick. Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not a buyer. Oh, you guys. Yeah, this is non-believers I, I, Yeah, Seth and I are the believers. Yeah. David is the non-believer. Brian, what side are you on? Row the boat. Isn't there? <laughs> you said we were going to beat Minnesota by like 40 this year. I think that. I said we're going to look good because we score 40 on them. Their okay. all RPO offense is rapidly aging, and I think they're going to fall off a cliff if they stick with it. Well, thankfully, they got their uh, OC poached, right? Did they? By yeah, Rutgers. Yeah, Shirakara is, is like gone again. They, that he, That's their offensive coordinator. He left them for Penn State. He came back last year. And now he's left them for Rutgers. Yeah. But, like, whenever he leaves when you, the same... Yeah. When the at sentence ends for Rutgers. Yeah, so. I was like, all right, leave him for Penn State. That makes sense. But, but the idea is their offense didn't change with him or without him. Like, it's the same thing. And it makes sense for Minnesota for what they do. Well, like, do they have some big, big boys on the offensive line? They got some big boys. Yeah, like, not a lot of returners, but... They've established a decent track record in mean, the offensive big, line. Big boys, and they're a team that, to their credit, actually has internal depth on the offensive line, unlike Ohio right. State, right? Like they're promoting fourth and fifth year players to take the starting job, which you always want to see. Yeah, yeah. What I like about them is that they know exactly what they're doing and don't try to get guys who have skills outside of that. So, like, do you remember Quinn Carroll, that Notre Dame offensive tackle a few years ago? They no. got okay. <laughs> <laughs> Notre Dame fans are all. I, I. I'm sorry. I have enough Notre Dame in my feed that like weeds. I know about this guy. Yeah, weeds. <laughs> but no, because this this no, goes to exactly story. who Minnesota is. Tell your story. This guy cannot pass pro at all. Okay, but he's a monster on the ground. Sure, that's their new right tackle at Minnesota. Is that like Falele? Uh, I mean, Falele was just humongous. Yeah. He was a 400 yeah. pound, six foot eight house. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like. Quinn so, Carroll exactly who who they are. Well, Ibrahim's gone, right? Yeah. He's gone, He's but the they so they filled all of their transfer holes with Western Michigan. Like I don't, Fleck must just still have connections. I guess with yeah. WMU. I mean, they got three or four of those guys. He does because he grabbed their offensive coordinator too, <laughs> whose name is Herb Harbo, spelled exactly like Harbaugh. Oh yeah, because we face we faced yeah. them. <laughs> we, we faced them no. last year. Yeah, we played Western last year. Yeah, yeah, Harbo Harbo. <laughs> But it's spelled. But it's Harbaugh? spelled H A R B A U G H Junior Greg Harbaugh Junior Harbo Harbo. That's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> Letters have meaning. Um, Do not G H does not have meaning in the, in the English right. language. We've so, not pronounced that letter. The point is, they got Sean Tyler, who was a good Mac running back from Western. Okay, but that's still a huge downgrade from Mo Ibrahim. Probably, yeah. Um, I think they could upgrade a quarterback with Kelly Akmanis. I mean, Morgan was kind of a, a carcass by the end of his career. Well, I guess, but he's never really, like, popped. Kelly Akmanis has hair. He has hair? Yeah. Tanner Morgan did not. That's his point. I guess that <laughs> is personal growth on the part of very bald P.J. Fleck, but I'm not <laughs> sure how that helps him win games. Uh, I like the receivers. Well, okay. They have one guy that's pretty good, right? Well, they have Ottman Span Bell Ford. and they have Brevin Spanford. Yeah. Ottman Bell has been around college football for so freaking long. Yep. He recru- yeah. he committed to Minnesota when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't that long ago as if one of us was still All in high right. school. <laughs> so yeah, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. just committed to Alabama. That's true. So mm-hmm. now you get to feel old. I never feel old. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>
I guess we can't cut that. <laughs> anyway, so, so their offense probably isn't going to be great, but my thing with Minnesota is they have track records. They have track record of decent OL play. They have track record of pretty good defenses, and they have track record of winning nine games most years. Yeah, but they also have track records of losing to teams that are not. I don't care. Great. You win. You win. That's because they only play. They yeah. they win nine games. They lose to teams that are not great for the same reason. They schedule nobody, and they play in the Big Ten West. Yeah. Well, and then they make some real dumb decisions about which FCS teams to schedule. Well, but like they had, they if it's had, they got lost a Dakota to, in the name. Don't go near it. They lost to Purdue and Iowa at home last year, and those teams are like. I mean, but okay, they're, they're but Minnesota. this you want to win the division every year. Remember the year that uh, it was at nineteen or whatever. They start ten and zero or nine I mean, and zero. They're not going to win the division, and then they lose. But they're winning nine games in Minnesota. All right, there's nothing wrong with that's that. Lifetime, contract. but that's why I'm not a buyer. They, in them. They have the best defensive player in the Big Ten, possibly Tyler Newbin. That guy's a dude. All right. He's real good. Yeah, projected first round pick at safety. Um, He's like, yeah, remember Antoine Winfield, the, the junior, like the yeah. like when they had him. He's the guy who he reminds everyone of. It's just like how many uh, all shows up all over the place. Playmaker. How many times out of ten do they beat Michigan? Zero. A couple. What? One, two. One. One. One or two. Maybe one. Zero. Yeah, I would. I would be right. So yeah. last year on this podcast, you argued for the probabilistic view of the schedule. Uh-huh. Right? Where you were the one being like, well, Michigan could lose to Iowa, or they could lose to Rutgers, yeah, or they could the lose Michigan's to Hever, and the combined a, probability Michigan's is... Michigan's going to be a three-touchdown favorite in that game, and that's like a 95%. Zero. Okay, one. There you sure. go. I, oh, oh, man, you we, we just watched Michigan be hanging on by a threat against Illinois. Illinois was a good year. team. That, my point is there's going to be a game on the schedule we don't expect to be close that will. There always is in college football. That's yeah, how it works, true. unless you're Georgia. And I think of all the games, this is the most plausible one. It's is not it Nebraska. In, probably it, not Nebraska. Is it in Minneapolis? Yeah. yeah. It's in Minneapolis, yeah. It's probably not Purdue. I mean, do you think this one's scarier or Maryland? Maryland. Well, so I, I did. I November I'd Maryland. Minnesota. So I think I'd take Minnesota because okay. they're stronger in the This trenches. one is probably more Maryland worrisome b- between than Penn State and Ohio State. But that's I a fair was, point. A I w- that's a fair point. I was I was on that train kind of all summer, and then Alex and I talked, and he's like, "Dude, they don't have any lines. They'll have a, a chance to develop some guys over." If Michigan's year, missing guys, sure. okay, but if you don't have any lines against Michigan, I just don't think. Arthur Kalakamiknakanibidis is is you know his nickname? Good. Yes. No. The Greek gunslinger. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm now, now actually I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> what Minnesota we, is is they know who they are. We got to cancel that game and play UCLA. They're in the Big yeah. Ten now. Yeah. Mm. All right, Illinois. Sure. They also okay. know who they are. My biggest thing on Illinois is none of you believed. <laughs> Last year on the podcast, I wasn't here. Yeah, Seth is a he's I was, off the hook. I was in Illinois at the yeah. time. I was making the case for Illinois <laughs> yeah. and how I thought they were trending in the right direction. And I was conservative. I said yeah. they could get to six, seven wins. They got to yeah. what eight? Yeah. And you guys were like, "Aha, Illinois." Well, Bielema says it should have been at least nine or ten. The refs kind of screwed him. At least you they did. The <laughs> he also biffed hard against Purdue and Michigan State, both at home, with the Big West Championship on the table. Uh huh. Yeah, they, he's Illinois. He is. They really, they really he had ate a, Illinois. They really had a shot last year, and they kind of blew. They it. They did. You know? They were the best team in the West. Yep. I don't think yeah. there's any question about that. But it took them a little bit to get there too. Yeah, but so they lose Witherspoon. They get Newton back though, so that's a, that's yeah, a Johnny Newton's a baller. Jerzon. He, he, they call him Johnny, though. What? 
Yeah, because no one can pronounce Jerzon, so his nickname is Johnny. It's Jerzon. <laughs> we just did it. No, Several I, people I, in this I'm room not, just pronounced even it. Even Brian did it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not calling him Johnny when he sounds like a Star Trek character. <laughs> That's just not happening. Jerzon. You already quoted Star Trek. Anyway. Um, and they get Keith Randolph back next uh, next to him on that line. Yeah, he's he was good third too. team All Big Ten. Yeah, like those guys are legit. They um, did lose like a three hundred and forty pound nose tackle. Yeah, but they had a guy who played two hundred snaps in that spot. They're gonna up promote, and their linebackers were were solid. Um, they played a lot of corners last year. right? They had a number of corners. They have a number of safeties. They got a couple of transfers there. Um, you know, honestly, the biggest loss is probably Walters. Yeah, but. Remember who they have as an analyst? Yeah. Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard. Mm. As an analyst. What is he doing in Illinois as an analyst? Well, he's been uh, blackballed, right? Also, I mean, schematically, Illinois was ridiculously man-heavy. Yeah. So it's not like there's some sort of crazy zone scheme that... He can't really. They can't really run anymore. Right. They're not there. They might not be able to run their defense anymore because they don't know where they're spoon. Yeah. But I think it'll still be a solid unit because they've had solid defenses two years in a row, and they still have enough returning talent that it should be pretty solid. Yeah. Um, offensively, they bring in Luke Altmeyer, a transfer from Ole Miss, who did not win the job over uh, Jackson Dart. But he was a four-star top 200 in the composite in 2021. So, some talent there. So, he's a second-year player? Redshirt sophomore. Redshirt Red sophomore. sophomore. So, we'll see what he can be. That's a big question. Their other big loss besides Witherspoon is Chase, Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they do have a couple guys that are interesting. Uh, Reggie Love and uh, Josh McCray was injured last year. But there's not doesn't project to be a Chase Brown on that backfield, and he was such a big piece for them. I mean, I I actually thought their backup running backs were pretty solid. Like, yeah. Not Chase Brown, but like probably still top half top half of the league. They do bring back uh, Isaiah Williams, who's a pretty good receiver, useful okay. sort of versatile player. Yeah, slot gadget guy. Pat Bryant uh, was had 450 yards for them, so there's some targets for Altmaier, not great ones, but okay. Their offensive line's re- replacing some pieces, but three returning starters. So, Burt's got them in a solid place. They're not really a Big Ten West contender, quote-unquote, for this year, in they my are. opinion. Yeah. I mean, in the sense well, that anyone is, but... They won the lottery on the schedule, because they don't get... They don't have Michigan. Michigan or Ohio State. They yeah. host Penn State early. The weird thing is, is their two non-conference games are kind of interesting. They host Toledo, who I think is generally pretty good in the Mac and then they go to Kansas. Yeah, which, those are real interesting. When you when you scheduled that game was probably like, <laughs> oh, we'll roll over them and now you're kinda like, well, that could be closer than we want to be. Those wins to get to eligibility. So No, they'll 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 be bowl eligible, but Right? Probably, right. but I mean there's a non zero well the, the Big probably, Ten West the games are all so close. You can have a year where you just go, you know, at, two at and Purdue, eight in one score games. At Purdue, Nebraska, at Maryland, Wisconsin, at Minnesota, Indiana, at Iowa, Northwestern. I mean there's there's wins there. I mean, it depends if you're counting them for Nebraska or for Minnesota or from Wisconsin. I mean, you know, they're all kind That's of the, the thing, same. they all upturn each other, right? right? All right, Iowa. Iowa. My biggest question, and I think the one that will define their team is the offensive line. Okay. Yeah. Because I think you can talk your way into a pretty pretty good team if they could just have a 2017 Iowa offensive line. But they haven't had that. And that is the thing 
that has been really under-talked about with them. Who's the offensive Because everyone coach? loves to dunk on Brian Ferentz. They love to dunk on Spencer Petras. But their offensive line went from one churning out NFL tackles to 128th in line yards last year. 128th! Were they much better the year before? No. No. And they used to have, like... It was always they always had a guy that was on a draft board. It, they yeah. have they have they'd always have a center who won like the hay bale competition. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> just they, throwing hay bales. They had, yeah. they had Tristan Wirfs and Larry yeah. Jackson at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had who's the running back? Well, they then they have a really good center. Oh, the running back. <sighs> who they just like put Michigan linebackers in the spin cycle? Yeah. They had Tyler Goodson. That was he was mad. He was, but the guy before was, him, yeah, there was another guy before that. But all their, all the receivers transferred out last year. But they have all now, and they have Lachey back at tight end, and that's a really good tandem, especially yep. for Iowa. Yep. And Caleb and they Johnson still have at Reganey. running. Caleb Johnson at running back started to show some things last Reganey. year. <laughs> he's 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 played snaps. <laughs> This is, this it is was, where we're at with Iowa wide receivers. Akram Wildly. Akram Wildly, yeah. Caleb Johnson, as a running back, started to come on late last year, and Michigan didn't see, you know, didn't see him in his full form, but he yeah. was a true freshman, and I kind of like him. All right. The wide receivers are still pretty questionable, but they did get a four-star redshirt freshman, top 100, to transfer from Ohio State. I'm not was, sure about that, but it was the it was the guy who was committed to Michigan at one point. It was like the 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 other guy in the trio that JJ used to hang with all the time. Um, he was the, like a, he was a top fifty receiver. They also the, got a star yeah. from Charleston Southern to transfer to them. So make of that what you will. But you can talk yourself into a decent offense here if they had an Iowa offensive line of yeah. the past, I mean, but they haven't had that in years. And if they don't, they're cooked because Cade McNamara behind 128th in line yards. Hmm. I mean, if they do the game's have, over before it starts in that but case. If they do have a line like Cade McNamara is sort of a platonic ideal of a exactly quarterback. right exactly, and, and they have a couple yeah. tight ends, yeah. and then you have a decent running back who's starting to come along, and then the defense is and the defense is good enough to win. And the some defense, games. I mean, look, they lost some really good players, and yet they still project really well. Like they have Dejean back. Dijon. They have Dejean. He is a guy that, to me, is in the top three corners in the Big Ten. And, you know, they lose Kayvon Merriweather at safety, and they're plugging in that five-star redshirt freshman that they have. That was the local guy they got. Uh, He started in the bowl game and looked really good. And, I mean... You know, even you lose Lucas Van Ness at defensive end. But he was only a part-time player. They didn't use him. So, who cares? And (laughs) I, I, you know convinced they will have a very good defense again because they always do there's plenty of talent and but yet that offensive line it swings them from like the season is ruined as soon as it starts to like 10 11 wins isn't brian ferentz the offensive line coach no he's not he used to be he used to be yeah it's i looked this up and he's only the offensive line coach has been there for this is his third season and, like, his whole page is, like, bragging about the achievements of the Iowa offensive line in his tenure. And it's just all that center they used to have. Linderbaum? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Tyler Linderbaum coached him to be the best center in the country. This is another team where it's like, why is Bob Bostad boast at it, Indiana? Because <sighs> Kirk Ferentz loves his son. Well, he's not the offensive line coach anymore. Well. <laughs> also, you can love your son and not destroy a football program because of it. I don't know. Just you... Me. you, you... Might be able to. All right, the Badgers. Braylon Allen. This, Graham Mertz is the starting quarterback of Florida. This Badgers. Somehow. 
This is going to be the weirdest looking. Are you going to watch him against Utah? No. <laughs> Why not? I probably. What else are you going to watch? I don't know. Not Graham Tennis. Mertz. <laughs> Tennis. <laughs> nah, that's your fault. <laughs> um. So with Wisconsin, the question is the coaching scheme changes because you look at the talent on this offense, and if they can pick up the new scheme, they could be nasty. Like because it's no longer Wisconsin bully ball. No, no. Tanner Mordecai comes in, and I mean he's top three quarterback in the conference. Like just before you even think. Okay. Really? I mean, I mean, who are you taking? Who ahead are you of taking him? over him? JJ Talia. Who else? Ohio State's guy, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Aller, maybe. I mean, Mordecai, Mordecai, 65%, 33 touchdowns, 10 picks, 8 yards in attempt. I mean, he yeah. was, he and was he's done that two years in a row. Good at SMU, and he's recruited by Lincoln Riley. Cade McNamara? I'm taking Mordecai yeah, over same. Cade, not even a question. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's amazing. It's like, Florida's got to be like, why do I have this guy? And they have Tanner <laughs> <laughs> And so you got him. You got Braylon Allen who is an awesome player. And they still have Ches Malusi as a number two running back. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that, was a, that was one of those times where we had to get the name had in, Had to get right? the name on. Like Chubba Purdy and yeah, Raven exactly. Gapicucci. Like, you, you can't do a podcast this year without getting Their the offensive thing. line was only 70th in line yards last year, but they're plugging in a couple all uh, AAC guys from Cincy to come with them and obviously a new offensive line coach. So I think they should be decent there. But the question is, you've got a lot of returners that are coached for a totally different offensive line scheme. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest questions of this offense. And they're going to be running way more plays than they have previously. I mean, this is a total reboot of their identity as, yeah. as an offense. Mm-hmm. So this is the sort of, you know, this is like an interesting one to me because in some ways you can compare it to when Rich Rod came into Michigan, right? But you're doing it under modern college football where you can just go fish out. Sure. A star quarterback. Yeah, imagine Richard coming here and having a transfer portal. <laughs> Still wouldn't have been enough. <laughs> yeah. And they bring back their top three receivers last year in yards and added four transfers at wide receiver. I mean, Wisconsin receivers are nothing to look at anyway. Exactly. Yeah. But so you bring back your top three and you add four more, including guys from two from Cincy, one from Oklahoma State, one from USC. So there's a lot of talent here. And it's just, can the scheme come together fast enough for them to succeed this year? Well, week two, they go to Wazoo. That'll be a big that, It's test. a night game, I think, on ABC. That, that'll that be kind of a fun come home from the UNLV game in the third quarter and watch. People won't be watching it because they'll be at the Sklars. That's true. So it'll, will it be on at venue, Seth? Well done. <laughs> it's called Synergy. <laughs> we'll be we'll be here at venue watching some games. I'm sure. Okay. Because uh, it's a it's a three thirty game for UNLV. So we have get, we get to watch all the noon games. Okay. Defensively, they were 14th in SP plus last year, and they bring seven starters back. Okay. So that's but, already a pretty good starting place. But they're changing from the classic classic three four to more of a three three five under Jim Tressel. Jim Tressel. Yeah. Mike, what, Mike, Mike Tressel. Tressel. Sorry. <laughs> It's been a long day. It's been a long day. So there's a lot of pieces here, a lot of talent. If the scheme comes together and they get the Iowa game at home. Sure. If the scheme comes together, they're the favorite in the West. But if it doesn't, there's definitely room for other teams. I mean, they're just like the, they're rebooting their whole program. Yep. And and are we going to see them in Indy? Uh, oh, that's the, that's is that the, the, is that the, the next segment? That's the next segment. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, there it is. There's the Big Ten West. We're going to take a break, come back, and kind of wrap it up. 
This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E lending.com slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family union, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately $100,000. It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Most of the time it was in their dream. Right, so September 9th, that's the day Michigan plays UNLV at 3.30 p.m. We were having a tailgate here at Venue starting at 9. Uh, your ticket to the Sklar show that night is your ticket to the tailgate. Though we don't want to leave anyone out, so yes, we also take excuses why you can't see the show that night as a ticket. Uh, everything is a la carte. There's a food truck, beer, a bar, tailgate spread, parking for 50 bucks until they fill up. Um, and then after the game, you got to go see the Sklars at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. All right, guys. So we've heard about every Big Ten team and for some reason, East Carolina. <laughs> so they're our best non-conference 
That, that they're the height of the non-conference schedule this year. UNLV might be. No, I'm excited. <laughs> We've seen them. I'm excited to see the Pirates. This could have been my hot take. This UNLV is, is the best. <laughs> How is that? A- because they're only 11th in all of you <laughs> out of 12 in all your categories. <laughs> all right, focus up, people. Let's go. All right, Big Ten West winner, Wisconsin. Dave. Yeah. Seth. Iowa. I still love Cade, man. That's my boy. <laughs> Even though he sure. burned us on the way out. But All right. Give me the Illini. Okay. Wow. He's All a believer right. now. Yeah. Next year. Now that he, gonna, now that he saw like, her face. Now who's the Illini believer? A Burt Lever. <laughs> Burt Lever. Hey, get him a shirt. <laughs> get him a shirt. He'd wear it. You know he'd wear it. If, if they win the West, I will wear a shirt that says I'm a Burt Lever. <laughs> This is worse than the lemon bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Winner of the East. Michigan. Michigan. The University of Michigan. Michigan. So can we talk the big question now? What? Two words. Football playoff. National championship. All right. Who makes the playoff? Alex? I'm going to have a piece about this this week. Okay. But well, but we'll I haven't s- done the piece yet, so. Just guess. Well... <sighs> There's going to be an SEC team, no doubt, and it's probably Georgia, but it could be someone else. LSU? No. No. <sighs> Jaden Daniels is not going to. Okay. Do you think that um, Tyler Buckner is going to? No. All right. So we're running out of SEC teams. Joe Georgia. Milton. Joe Milton? Maybe. <laughs> You're more in on Joe, Mil- on Joe Milton than, than Tyler Buckner? Yes. Or Jaden Daniels? Yes. But isn't that LSU team stacked? But the guy can't throw the ball. He's he, mm. Remember when he wanted when he beat? Oh no, he only beat MSU once. Any slancing? Uh huh. With Arizona. Anyway, yeah. I, um, I need four teams from you. I'm just going to assume that everyone thinks Michigan's winning the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. Yep. All right. So Michigan's one. Three more. Georgia's a shoe in. Ge- Georgia. One more. Two more. I'm convinced this is the year someone in the Pac-12 does it. They beat each other up every year, but they've got so many good teams this year that I think someone's gonna gonna do it. Let's go with USC, but USC. it could be Washington, could be Oregon. Could okay. Be. Um, and then I kind of think because they have an easy schedule, it could be Clemson, Clemson if Klubnik is is the guy. All right, I'll take the winner of Clemson, Florida State. Sure. I don't know which one of those two, but I'll one of those two. Pick up. Where's the game? I think it's in Clemson. That's that's why they're being picked. I think. Okay, Clemson, Georgia, Michigan. Oh man, I I I almost said Ohio State, and I don't think I'm going to. Okay. Alabama. They're going to the Outback Bowl. Remember, <laughs> Texas. Texas. Ooh, is Texas back? Mm, probably not. That's probably way off. I have I have like two or three. I'm con- I'm confident. In, here's the thing. I'm confident in Michigan, and I'm confident in Georgia. Okay, and then. I don't know. It feels like there's eight teams that if something goes right for them, they could do it. Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, and USC. Sure. Michigan. Who do you want to play? USC in the championship. So you, who are we? So we're going to play Alabama in the first game. Mm-hmm. Yay! Michigan uh, will be number one overall. Alabama will be number four overall. Well, it doesn't matter if there's two. If there's two SEC teams, they'll just split them up and have them. They'll split them up anyway, and then Georgia loses to USC. I got Michigan, Georgia, Washington, and Florida State. Okay, sure. All right. 
But the question then is how attainable is winning a national championship? Because this is sort of the thing for me coming into this year is that I've generally not seen it as super attainable because Michigan just doesn't recruit at the level that you typically have to. And we saw that in the Orange Bowl in 2021. But you've got a lot of teams breaking in new quarterbacks. And you look at the SP Plus preseason projections, weren't there four teams within about one point of each other? Like all in the 28-something range. So it's, you know, perhaps a little more open. And the thing about winning championships in sports is that sometimes you just got to find your window. And, right, like the 2019 Raptors weren't beating the Warriors of two years earlier, but the Warriors that had been to four straight finals and were injured and tired, they could beat. And you just got to find that year. And it just, to me, feels like if there was ever a year, it would be this one. Well, if J.J. is the best quarterback in the college football playoff, like Michigan didn't have the best quarterback against Georgia. Nope. Didn't have the best quarterback against TCU. Nope. But if JJ is that guy, and like look at look at Michigan's roster, is anyone in the country going to have a definitively better offensive line than Michigan? No. Maybe Georgia, but but not yeah, probably not George, definitive. Yeah, I mean Georgia's probably going to win the Joe Moore Award just because they can't just give it to Michigan, Michigan three times, times in a row. row. Yeah. Is anyone going to have a better running back no. than Michigan? No. No. Is anyone going to have a better defensive line than Michigan? I'd have to look at yeah, the I don't, team. Yeah, I don't trust someone in the someone in the SEC is going to have it's, someone. It's possible, but it's also possible that Michigan rolls in with a first round pick in Jenkins, a future first round pick in Mason Graham, a, a future po- a popping more. A, a possible, Graham will be a third round pick, but he'll be playing like a first rounder. I mean, yeah. maybe. And, and if Derek Moore hits, then Michigan could have. An offensive, a defensive line that's and way up there. And if Wallace becomes Jair Hill, who figures it out by the end of the season, right? And you got one of the best corners in the country. You got one of the best safeties in the country. Like, yeah, Michigan wasn't ready to beat Georgia two years ago. I think they're ready to beat Georgia. I'm well, not saying that's that. isn't that the whole mantra. I mean, that's the yeah. the signs around Schembechler now and in the whole program is not beat Ohio State. It's not win the Big well, Ten. It's beat Georgia. Also beat it? Ohio State. Okay, but the point is, is that this is we're not trying to crest that hill. We need to do it. Yeah. That is a stepping stone. But our eyes are on winning it all. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about the picture on the front cover of Hill of Victory. The senior still knocking the ball out of Stover's hand. The back is JJ McCarthy just being completely zen. And that's where I'm, I am right now, man. Like, this is this is good. Let's have some confidence. <laughs> this is this is this is not Michigan is overwhelming favorites, but this is Tiger Woods versus the field. We're trying where to, you have we're trying the to highest come up with reasons that Michigan's not going to win this year, team. and the best reasons are Ohio, the SEC recruits better. But but, but they also have. But, I mean, okay, they 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 recruit better. But let's look at Zach Center. Yeah, like. Are there better recruits than Zach Sinner? Are yeah. there better players? No. No. You could say the same thing. Rod Moore. But Rod Moore. Yeah. Michigan is – Chris hit. Jenkins. Colston Loveland. Mm-hmm. Colston Loveland, was he a five-star? No. Should he have been a five-star? Yes. Yeah. Mason Graham, same thing. Chris Jenkins, same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, at, this is a point where Michigan is going to go into this game against whoever they are in the, the playoff semifinal, and they're going to be more talented than that team. So why won't they win the national championship? Because it's hard. Like they're going to be more but talented on the field. On the field, yeah. Uh, pass protection is not elite. Like if you've got Henderson, Henderson, it just left isn't tackle, up to snuff. Or it's it's Barnhart at right tackle, and they just kind of get overwhelmed by elite edge rushers. That's one thing that could happen. Um, they don't get enough organic pass rush themselves against 
real high-end tackles. Like, I think they might be able to run over Ohio State's tackles, but if it's Georgia, it could be a different thing. Because Georgia might be able to just run the ball because of their offensive line. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case because I think Michigan's defensive line is going to be up for it. Yeah, they're not. I don't know if they're going to face many guys tougher than Grant at the end of the season. And then the other thing is, like, you know, the other team could just be able to magic some stuff up because their wide receivers are out of this world. Because of the depth. And eventually their wide receivers are better than Michigan's corners. And then the other thing, as we saw in the TCU game, is sometimes Michigan gets too married to what they want to do also early in the Ohio State game where the opposition is like, I'm sorry, but you can't run because we're going to be plus one in the box all the time. And Michigan either doesn't run the quarterback or doesn't run enough play action and just sort of thunks out a first half where they get down a lot, which happened against TCU. The TCU game. Yeah. They were down against Penn State. <laughs> well, that was different. Wow. That, was, that was just but a weird – No yeah, one was worried about they, that. They, yeah. were, they were beating that team's ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it, that's that's one of the concerns I have is that, like, this mentality that we can run the ball against anybody, sometimes that might not be true. And you got to get out of that quicker. And you got to run that flea flicker three times in a row. <laughs> Not, so not inside zone three times in a row. But the flea flicker three times in a row, that'll put the fear of God in it. Yeah. And like I just feel like they did it against TCU, and TCU's like, you know what? We're going to give up three touchdowns like this, and we're going to be okay with that. And they needed to go back to that more. And I just don't know if Jim Harbaugh it has that in his DNA to like stick and move like that. Well, there's like mm-hmm. talks about how JJ and, and Edwards were on the field during the TCU celebration and just kind of staring over there at it and, and thinking like what they could have maybe should have had if not for X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And so those are the kinds of things that stick around year to year. I mean, Michigan played that Georgia game and Jim Harbaugh came back and was like, okay, I need to level up in some areas. I need, Cade was great, but I need an NFL quarterback and they got it. And you know, that's kind of the same thing. And now Michigan sort of, sometimes you have to not quite make it in certain ways to come over the top. I mean, they did that even against Ohio State. They got close a couple of years. And, and then if if JJ can be like the leveler, like quarterback is the most important position on the field. And if every other contender is breaking in a new guy this year, chances are Michigan's going to go into every game they play with the better quarterback. Well, that, I mean, that I don't to even... me is the biggest thing about the season. Is where JJ gets in terms of wanting to win a national title, right? And unless unless USC finally gets defense, like mm-hmm. they probably aren't going to see Caleb Williams, right? That's and that was sort of my thought is like you know I was we were having conversations a week or two ago and I was like how many quarterbacks in the country are you taking over JJ? I mean probably Caleb Williams, then who? Maybe Penix. But Maybe. Think, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, there's a case. Are you? Are you there's a, the problem is there's so many the NFL kind of sliced off the top. So, like, Joe Milton is getting talked about for a Heisman. Right, like, but are you taking Joe Milton over J.J.? No. no. Right. Are you taking Jaden Daniels? No. Are you taking Tyler Buckner? Are you taking – I mean, you're just going – are you taking um, Quinn Ewers? What I mean, about a no. Hartman at Notre Dame? I mean – Are you serious? <laughs> just putting names out there. He likes – Alan Bowman. <laughs> likes- I mean, Dylan Gabriel was really effective when he was healthy, too. Camp but- Rising. Yeah, probably not the same level as some of those other Pac-12 guys. But I mean, USC was really young on defense. So you guys were kind of like, okay, they were maybe also, them or Washington. Were really bad. And, and Lincoln, but they were really young. That defense but Lincoln Riley fast. does not have defenses. Hey, Grinch. Yeah. Grinch had, He's got to answer that before we can Grinch talk about Grinch had one good, yeah. good defensive year at Oklahoma. Yeah. 
Uh, I figure with that kind of talent that they have, and, that, and see, these you can are, do something. I mean, that was a problem in Oklahoma. You couldn't get defenders to go to Oklahoma. It's super hard to go from as bad as USC was last year to de- to good. They yeah. can get decent, and decent can get them into the playoff. Could it? Well, it could. It couldn't last I mean, year. Like they, they, they got all on the table. But they weren't decent last year. They got to play Utah. They got to play Washington. They got to play Oregon. If they had had a slightly better defense last year, they'd have beaten Utah in. Utah, where it mm-hmm. came down to the wire, and then they're twelve and zero going to the Pac twelve, and they probably punched their ticket already. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of stupid that they didn't make the playoff at the end of the year last year. Like the whole lot of things had to occur for two CU and Ohio State to slide in. That's true. I remember like there was a really complicated set of games that were required for Ohio State to make it, and they all happened. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is why you know we talk about what do you want your non-conference schedule to be and this is the argument for this year's non-conference schedule and even for getting teams like Purdue and Nebraska in year 0 is because if your goal is to win a national championship you don't want to take potential shots or bullets from random teams throughout the year and Alex is probably right I is mean, that one game is going to be a pain but when you have wins that are secured more or less on the schedule like this I mean, I guess that becomes less of an issue when it's 12 teams. Because when it's 12 teams, you're going to start seeing stuff like you see in the basketball tournament where it's not about who you lost right. to, it's about who you beat. Yeah, well, 12 team changes the incentive. Because yeah. it's, right, and then we were in the BCS, the incentive was to load up your non-conference because you had to be top two. And in the 12 team, if there's incentive to get a buy, then all of a sudden there's incentive to load up and there's less risk because you can lose more games and still get in if you're in a power conference. But... And that makes sense. This reality of four teams has always been why I've advocated for what I have. Plus, it's just fun to have three preseason games. No, it's not. To try out. Are you? We get, but, we get to go into the year and try out Josh no, Wallace no, for a game. No, and then we get to try out yes, Jair no, Hill for no, a game. Yes. You we can, get to try out Jaden by, by the third of those, it's just tiresome. Yeah, the third one is always like, what? Yeah, but this is about winning a national title. This is not about anything else. And this is where we're at as a program. And so you want This is about get, eternal glory. Not making you happy on September 15th. Exactly. <laughs> Michigan has, like, next year I will be happy to play. Well, I mean, assuming <laughs> Michigan has players, but, like, they'll that they all don't leave. But, like, I will be happy to face Texas or go to USC or, you know, enjoy those sorts of schedules. This year. Okay. Well, the schedule is what it is, and we don't need to argue about it. Cause this year. It's a paradigm that's, it's a that is going away. Good thing. For Michigan to try to win fifteen games. Well, I mean, I you know they could have put and they could lose to they could lose to Penn State they, and but they, they could still win a national. You championship. know, it's not like they have to play Texas or anything. No, they could have put Boston College. Right. On. I, I'm not against that either. I mean, yeah. Boston College is a guaranteed win at home too. So. Yeah, because they're cheeks. That's what the kids say. I think Boston College asked for two million. You know, UNLV asked for like eight hundred thousand, or and then that's that's well, that was probably. You know the, what this athletic <laughs> department's gonna do? Yeah, I mean, it's the schedule is so weird. We have one really great. We have one amazing home game, and like the other. So home, get on a plane. Let's go to let's go to St. Paul. Or the other home games we have are Purdue, Indiana, and Rutgers. <laughs> My God, why are you telling him this? That is that is. He wouldn't have figured this out for a couple of months. <laughs> That is one thing that I am looking forward to with the revamp of the Big Ten is that, like, all the teams that we added are a thousand times more interesting to play than Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, right? Like, well, I mean, I'm, Maryland right now is probably a top three game on the schedule. I'm going to I'm going to Washington when we play them. I'm going yeah. to Oregon when we play them. I'm yeah. going to USC when we play them. Yeah. Like, that, Absolutely. I'm gonna, I, those are trips that I want to make. Yeah. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you – I mean, were you – 
Have you been to Rutgers since we joined the, the they joined the Big Ten? <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> he was the guy that was pulling the horn signal, right? Or you with the train God. going by? He was oh. wearing Sir Henry's armor. My, <laughs> my ears are still actually like literally my ears were damaged by by that. But I should sue Rutgers. They yeah, just had that. I'm sure, sure that'll work. The whole time, like, you gotta be like, ah, Rutgers, yeah, and then people are like, he's right, he's right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we've been podcasting for 84 hours, and I think we're done now. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you didn't, why are you still listening? Thank you for listening to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook, Alex Strain, and David Nasternak. Michigan's going to win the national championship this year, I guarantee it.